The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back! It's one out. Pete Alonso, he's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. We are scoreboard watching today here on A's Cast Live. Why? Because the Red Sox and the Rays are playing the fourth game of their four-game set in Tampa Bay as the Athletics right now with six games to play, knock on wood, are two games up on the Tribe and the Rays. That's a big deal. Why is that a big deal? Man, because you want to have that home playoff game. Right, Captain Obvious? And the Athletics can sit back tonight. And the, and the, and the same thing with the Cleveland Indians. They're not playing. So, Shasin up against Snell. And we can sit back tonight and root for the Boston Red Sox. Who hopefully can get this win, and that magic number that's at five right now drops some more. You can go to a lot of different places and look at percentages. I like 538.com. Not fan graphs. Why 538.com? They're an extension of ESPN. But they predict all kinds of things, like elections and stuff like that. They really know what they're doing. And they say right now that the Athletics have a 97% chance to be in the postseason. 4% chance to win the World World Series. So you're saying there's a chance. That's what it's all about. I've really been thinking about this, and I can't wait. We did an interview earlier today with former A, really Dodger great, Eric Karos who does a great job with Fox, has some of the best hair game in the business on television. There's no question. And I will tell you this. I will ask him about his time when he was a very young man, fresh out of UCLA, rookie of the year. He and Mike Piazza were single, playing for the Dodgers, living in Manhattan Beach. I guarantee you I'm going to ask him how that was. Can you just imagine that? You've got money, you're single, you're living on the beach, and you're a Dodger? Wow. Fun times. So we'll get into that. we got a lot to get into. First of all, we have a really sweet MLB Network party pack that I actually do want. It's got the sweet hat. It's got the the shirt. It's got a koozie. It's got all kinds of stuff for you. We're going to be giving away 
one of those every day this week. But you're going to have to listen to the entire show. And what's going to happen is we're going to give you a code word this hour, a code word on Twitter in the second hour, and then a code word back on this show in the third hour. And whoever puts it all together first and texts us at 510-897-1322 is going to win this sweet postseason party pack presented by MLB Network, the best channel on television. We do have to get into television, too, because, wow, if you're in the television game, there, there's, a, there, there's a thing called Nielsen Ratings and the Emmys last night. It just shows, like, what we're doing here with streaming, how people are getting their entertainment now is so different from what it used to be. But here's what we got on the show tonight. Here's what Commander Cody has put together for us. So starting out here at 4.30, we'll talk to Martin Gallegos from MLB.com, covers the athletics. Eric Carroll will be at 5 o'clock. My man, the great Bip Roberts will be here at 5.30, one of my favorites all time. There's going uh, to be a lot of managers, new managers next season. And one of the jobs open is pretty intriguing. Andy Green was released as the manager of the San Diego Padres. Tony Gwynn Jr. is going to join us. It's an intriguing job because you got some talent at the big league level, and then you have uh, the number one rated minor, aren't they number one rated minor league system? And the big question is, let's face it, Bruce Bochy's a big deal in Northern California. Bruce Bochy's won three World Series. He also managed the Padres for years, got them to a World Series. We have audio of Bruce Bochy basically not committing to saying he'll never manage again. Could Bruce Bochy end up back in San Diego where he makes his home? That would be pretty interesting. I think no question about it. So we'll also have Rob Nyer at 630, one of the best baseball columnists of all time. I love me some Rob Nyer. So Gallegos at 430, Carol's at 5, Bip Roberts at 530, Tony Gwynn Jr. at 6, and Rob Nyer at 630. But one of the ways uh, I wanted to start the show today, I mean, I was thinking about this yesterday, coming back from Cleveland, I mean, uh, from Minnesota. If you ever get a chance, by the way, to go to Target Field in Minnesota, I went there on Saturday night to watch the Twins and the Royals. How much fun is that? I got to see the Royals all over again. And actually, though, the Royals came back and won the game. They scored seven in the uh, in the ninth inning. I wasn't there because I, I met my cousin out for dinner. You should have seen. It was classic. I, I, I brought Brent Musburger to the game. I got us all press passes. Well, Commander, you uh, played a part in that. Walking around with Brent Musburger around Target Field, I felt like I was his security. I mean, it was like walking around with Elvis. Everywhere we went, people stopped us for pictures. It was insane. When you told me that, the part of where the guy was literally waiting at the gate to, to meet Brent Musburger, oh, I was yeah. like, that's, my, that's how you must feel when, when you come to the Coliseum and everyone's waiting to greet you. <laughs> so, so check this out. So we're out having a few libations on Friday night, and everybody's asking, like, because it, it was a game – 
Like everybody from the Raiders party wanted to go over to Target Field. And I told him, I said, yeah, you know, I can only get so many press passes. Uh, and they're like, you need to get Brent Musburger a press pass? I go, yeah, you never know, right? Literally, this I, I'd probably say this man was in his 50s. He was waiting at the door for us. Like, he saw Brent walking up, and he immediately opened this glass door. Mr. Musburger, it's such a pleasure. And then there was, like, three other guys who, you know, worked for the Twins. We all came up and wanted to take pictures with them. We haven't even gotten into the stadium yet. I will say this. The global brand lives on. I was recognized twice at Target Field by Raider fans who were in from New Jersey. That is weird when someone goes, are you Chris Townsend? And you're like, who the hell knows me in Minnesota? But that the, 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 the Raider brand is bad. At, and the Raiders are bad, by the way. The Raiders are bad. Yeah, I saw that game yesterday. It was, uh, it was close when it was 21-7. I'll also say this. Their football stadium, U.S. Bank, is it's the ideal like state-of-the-art you can't get any better than that stadium. They're the same people who are going to build the Raider Stadium in Las Vegas. But it, 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 what makes it so ideal is that it's built vertically. So even though it's a brand-new stadium, and, and this is what the designers, whoever that, they used to be HOK, but they've changed their name. They went to Cowboy Stadium, Jerry's World, and realized, you know what? We need to we need to get the fans closer. So I haven't been to that stadium, but I guess you feel like you're far away from the field. This stadium, you're I mean you're right on it. My cousin's a season ticket holder for the Vikings, and uh, it was great to see him. And I mean he you know his set he it's it's like they're right on the he was it's like I could see my cousin. He's like right on the field. It was their facilities in Minnesota are state of the art, incredible. So if you can go to a Vikings game, if you can go to a Twins game, Dave Cavill. If you're listening, I hope you've been to Target Field because if you could replicate that in Oakland, they have so many areas where you can just hang out and watch the game. Like in left field, they had it was like a sports bar. It was like the treehouse, but almost, you know, the treehouse is indoors. This is outdoors. Like they had all the football games on. I mean, we stood out in center field and watched part of the game. It's Target Field is no joke. What I was going to say, what I was going to tell you is you got to see the end of an era there, too. The Ned Yost era coming to an end in Kansas City. So you got to see Ned. The great Ned one, Yost. One last time, the winningest manager in Royals history. Ned Yost from Northern California. Well, I've always wanted to go to Target Field. I will eventually get there. This, the, this is the time of year to go. You don't want to go there in, um, well, any time after November when it snows and everything. So You mean when it's like minus 13? Yeah, like when they had the Super Bowl there. Good call. Yeah, no, it's this time of the year in the Midwest, it's not muggy anymore, it, you know, because some, some of these brutal. But yesterday's game, yesterday's loss, I'm not mad about it. And I'm going to tell you why. Because they just flat out got beat. The other guys get paid too. They hit a bunch of home runs. And you lost 8-3. to three. I can live with that. Some fans, actually friends of mine, who come and see me in the treehouse all the time, they were a little upset how harsh I was on the A's after they lost to the Kansas City Royals. Blown save number 29. And then I was harsh on them when they lost to the Tigers. Blown save number 28. There's a difference in these losses. The Rangers are a Major League Baseball team. Their guys get paid, and they just came out and flat-out beat, beat you. And that is when people say, well, losses are going to happen. Exactly. 
the A's didn't beat themselves yesterday. The A's lost to the Texas Rangers. They, they scored four in the first. They hit, what, four home runs? Man, at one point the Rangers were over 500. Sinchu Chu was a good player. He's got 23 bombs. Calhoun has 19 and 20. Elvis, we've been watching him for years. Mazzara's got 19. That's a loss I can take. I can't take the losses where you beat yourself. That's when it bugs me. So I'm not going to come on here today and say I'm upset about the loss. Yes, you're going to lose you're going to lose games and you're going to lose games down the stretch. You can't beat yourself. Just think. If they had five less blown losses, blown saves that were losses, just five less. We wouldn't be sweating this wild card thing. We would have already clinched the home wild card game. We would, what would we be, we'd be talking about? We, we'd already be making our plans. October 2nd at the Coliseum, is it going to be like a 5 o'clock start? We'd already know. It's the bad losses. Every loss is bad. But when you, when you're, whenever you lose and you're in control of the game, that's shame on you. And that's those two games right there. You know, where where are the A's if they don't blow those saves? But now, six games left. You control your own destiny. And we're scoreboard watching. And we're rooting for the Boston Red Sox. And then the other thing that I love is that the final three days... For the Rays, they're taking on the Baby Jays. And what's cool about the Baby Jays is that the Baby Jays, they're not mailing it in. You kidding me? They're going out to prove to people that they're going to be a force for years to come. So when you got to go up against Guerrero Jr., Bo Bichette, Baby Biggio, these guys, they're tough. And they've been playing way better baseball. All right, we'll keep you updated on everything going on in St. Petersburg between the Red Sox and the Rays. And I got some numbers on the Rays. They're a very interesting ball club. We'll talk about it next right here on A's Cast Live. Streaming from the town, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. I just saw this in my my notes. Chris Davis, not Chris Davis with a K, Chris Davis with a C, homered yesterday for the Orioles. And they're wondering if this is it for him in Baltimore. He's got three years remaining on his seven-year, $161 million contract. Wow. Can you imagine parting ways with somebody making that kind of money? Swallowing that. I mean, he's had issues with the manager. I just, oh, my God. I'm going to look him up here on Baseball Reference. Let's see the kind of money. Okay, so he's got Chris Davis. 
2020, 2021, 2022. Each of those years, he's scheduled to make $23 million. Can you imagine having a guy walk, making six, you got to pay him $69 million. I guess the Red Sox played Pablo more than that to walk away. But 69, somebody, somebody has to make that transaction, right? Someone's got to, someone in the accounting has to put that money into his account. Can you imagine being that person going, we got to pay this guy $69 million and he's no longer here? Someone's writing that check. How many home runs is he going to hit next year when he's playing D8s for the Rays? When the Rays bring him in and they turn him into like a, a forty home run hitter again, oh, or he right. goes to a team he like he comes say hypothetically he comes to Oakland and he's and making he, the veterans minimum, he's making no money, he's hitting forty home runs, and it's oh, like, oh my god, what happened in Baltimore, man? That's, Everyone hits home runs there. Yeah, that's that's just that that's really insane. So the Rays, they have won eleven of their first eighteen meetings with the Red Sox. They've won seven, six of seven games against the Cleveland Indians. Why is that important? Because if the Rays and the Indians are still tied for the second AL wildcard spot on Sunday, the two teams will play each other on Monday at Tropicana Field. So you don't want to be in that game. So for you to move on, you potentially could have to win on Monday and Wednesday in Oakland to move on in the postseason. That is not easy to do. So the Indians will start a three-game set tomorrow night against the White Sox. And then they've got no day at the beach to end the season. They've got to play the Nationals. Nothing says end-of-the-year pennant race like Indians Nationals. And then the Rays, the Rays finish with their four-game series, as we said, tonight against the Red Sox. Then they got a two-game set against the New York Yankees. I feel dirty. I'm going to have to take a shower. But, yes, I'll be rooting for the Yankees. And... What's tough about those games for the Rays, it's kind of sad, but it's like a Yankees home game. You know, the Yankees have their their complex there in Tampa. You know, it's so funny. People from Tampa, people from Tampa don't want to go to Rays games because they say how bad it is just to the traffic and everything to get over from Tampa to St. Petersburg. But Yankee fans from Tampa will, will sure make that trek and pack the park. And then, as we said, they'll finish – with the baby Jays. One note I want to put out there, and we'll really talk to Bip Roberts about this, because Bip has known Marcus Simeon since he was a young guy. Marcus Simeon, realistically, is having one of the greatest years in A's history. Now, remember, when I say A's history, and not Oakland A's. I'm counting Philly, Kansas City, the organization since it started. And if you you look at all the great players that have played in Oakland, you look at Ricky Henderson, 
Reggie Jackson, Jose Canseco, Mark McGuire, Jason Giambi, you know, the greatest A's of all time. He might be having the best year ever. He was two for five yesterday. He has now scored 120 runs on the season. Ricky Henderson never did that. Ricky Henderson, his record as an A was 119. We think of Ricky Henderson as the great. Oh, my God, he's the greatest. You know, this guy, you got the Ricky run. Marcus, with six games left, has already passed Ricky Henderson. He's tied now for second best in franchise history. Is that just Oakland or the entire franchise when you put that on there, Commander? I think it's just Oakland. Okay, Oakland. The record is because you've got to remember, there was some great Philadelphia, you know, Jimmy Fox and those dudes back in the day in Philly, Hall of Famers, great players. So, and they won five championships. The all-time record in Oakland is 1969, second year the A's were in town. Reggie Jackson scored 123. If he can break that record, and he's been hot, he's got 91 RBIs. If in six games he can get to 100 RBIs and he sets the record for most runs scored, and he's got, we'll see, 30, he's got 32 jacks right now, add a couple more, you really could be saying to yourself, and I might be saying it to you here on A's Cast Live. This is the best year we've ever seen in Oakland. I want I, let that marinate for a minute. When you think of Reggie Jackson, the straw that stirs the drink. When you think of Ricky Henderson, Jose Canseco was an MVP, a 40-40 guy in a year where the team went to the World Series. Jason Giambi was an MVP. Miguel Tejada, an MVP. And this year is probably better than all of them. He plays shortstop, premier position. He plays it every day. He doesn't take a day off. And he's putting up these kind of numbers? No one saw this coming. I don't care what anybody says. I was at spring training. I was asking all the questions. No one said Marcus Simeon is going to lead off every single day for the A's. Nobody said that. Robbie Grossman could potentially be leading off. There was all kinds of stuff being contemplated. Maybe Marcus against left-handed batters. Marcus Simeon has led off, played shortstop every day, hit for power, score runs, drive-in runs, and he's got a 7.9 war. Only behind who? Mike Trout. If he doesn't get MVP votes, it's an absolute crime. Because this is a career year. You know, I this, this is one of those years where you're going to look back and you're you're going to look at this. This is the year because the odds of him having another. This is a historic season. 
it's very rare that you ha- that that you fill out a stat sheet the way Marcus Simeon has this entire season. You look at all the numbers. They're spectacular. He's been healthy. That's always another thing. To have one of these incredible years and to put up these numbers, you got to stay healthy. And he's done that. Healthy for the really fully healthy for the first time. Everything is off the charts for him. 335 total bases. An OPS plus of 139. He has the most plate appearances in baseball. If that's not an MVP year, value. Who's the most valuable player to their team? We now vote on just who the best player is, and obviously the best player is Trout. But if you go most valuable, how's this guy not in the conversation of leading his team into the postseason? There's nothing he hasn't done this year. Marcus, I hope you get your due because you've earned it. You've earned every bit of it. He's one of the strongest-minded players I've ever been around. And it's a pleasure to get to know him because, as my, as my late mother used to say, he was raised right. He's good people, good husband, good father. Everybody can't say enough about him. Can't wait to talk to Bob Melvin tomorrow about him. The Bob Melvin Show will be here on Ace Cast Live. Coming up next, Martin Gallegos will join us. We have a lot to get into. We're talking about A's baseball. Six games left to play. Two-game lead. You bring it home October 2nd. You're playing the wild card game at the Coliseum. And boy, will it be crazy. Well, there you go. We're back. Hi, everybody. Chris Townsend with you here on A's Cast Live. Martin Gallegos is going to join us coming up next. And then I have the first code word. That's right. The first code word for you to learn how to win. This is a go on Twitter whether you follow me at Townsend Radio, uh, A's Cast, and you're going to really dig this, what we got going for you. So it's at AthleticsCast24 or at, at Townsend Radio. So it's a prize pack from MLB Network. You get a cool shirt. The hat is sweet. You get a koozie for your beer or your Coke. You get a cup. And you get a what? It's like a finger, finger, a foam finger for your index finger that says you're number one. But the hat and the shirt are sweet. So we will be giving the first code word after Martin Gallegos from MLB.com. But this prize pack from MLB Network is pretty sweet. Martin, how are you doing, buddy? What's up, Tony? I'm good. Just got to uh, Anaheim and uh, ready for these final six games of the regular season. Yeah, we got to give a shout out to 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 our guy Mark Langston. Uh, you, you hear Mark on this program because he went to San Jose State just like I did, and he's he's our greatest player ever, and had the heart attack in Houston, and uh, just thank God he's he's okay. Yeah, it was a scary situation. I was reading up about that a little bit over the weekend, and you know those things kind of just go beyond baseball and. Um, you know, luckily, luckily it sounds like he's he's doing better and good spirits, and uh, you know, hopefully, uh, see him at the ballpark soon. Yeah, we're in the bottom of the first, and we're scoreless in St. Petersburg, as we're going to be scoreboard watching here. I just can't, you know, 
I remember what it was like in 2012. I remember what it was like in 2013 at the Coliseum. Raucous. It was so loud. Even the Tigers players said it was the loudest stadium they have ever been in. Can you just imagine if, if knock on wood, they can bring this thing home and they host the wild card on October 2nd, just how loud and crazy the Coliseum will be. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I've am I'm, been thinking about that for a while now. I'm, I'm hoping we get to see that. You know, I've been telling people about this all the time. If you've, if you've uh, ever, if you're, you know, not into baseball that much, you got to check out a, a Coliseum game uh, during the playoffs, and you'll probably change your mind. You know, 58,000 people going nuts, the drums out there in the outfield, the vuvuzelas, everything. It's a unique experience. Nothing, it's unlike anything else in baseball, I feel like, um, the atmosphere and the environment, so. I mean, if they can get that home field advantage of the wild card game, it's a certain uh, home field advantage that not a lot of teams can say they have. So they played tw- They played 16 straight games, but then got the day off on Thursday, get the day off today. What are you hearing rumblings on setting up this rotation so that they have the certain pitcher that they want on the mound for that wild card game? Yeah, so I was looking at the, uh, you know, the, the way the rotation might set up here in these last six games. And, you know, if Mike Fires is the guy who goes on that wild card game, which I think we all kind of expect that to be, especially if it's in Oakland, uh, he lines up to actually start. Uh, it would be his next turn in the rotation by that Wednesday wild card game. So right now it's set up perfectly. They don't really have to move too much things around, um, you know, unless they want to go another direction like a Manaya or something like that. But right now I think. If they're going fires, it, it actually sets up perfectly for them. They're not to move anything around right now for the for the uh, wild card game, and then obviously then after that you got to set up for a division series if you're lucky enough to get to that point. Um, but you know, I think right now they're just looking at that wild card game. Did that last start for Mike Fires just make you feel better seeing him go out there and dominate? Yeah, and I think he felt like he needed to do that as well. I mean, the three starts before that were pretty you know, bad. He'll tell you himself. I mean, that, that start in Houston was just, you know, awful. And, and the one in Texas, he had the injury scare. So you weren't even sure if you had a hundred percent Mike Fires going out there for you. And he goes out there and, and faces the minimum over eight innings. I mean, that was, that was incredible. That night, that night was, I think, setting up for Jesus Luzardo to actually throw a few innings and, and the, the, the script got kind of changed because Fires was so dominant. I think he was at like 60 pitches through five innings. He kind of forced the ace to keep him out there a little bit longer than they anticipated. So, um, you know, he's been the number one guy all year for them. He went on that incredible 21-game unbeaten streak. And, you know, he's the, he's been the guy that leaned on all year, and I think he's earned that right to at least, you know, start that first playoff game after after not even making the, the playoff roster last year, which we, we were kind of, you know, shocked to see. So, um, it'd be kind of a redemption thing for him if he can start that game. So, the game notes from yesterday – They have Homer Bailey going tomorrow, and then for the A's, TBA on Wednesday. Do we know who's going to go on Wednesday for the A's? You know, it's still up in the air, but, you know, Frankie Montas is available. You know, he'll be available to to, uh, pitch on Wednesday. That'll be his first game back of these five games left. And, um, you know, it's no no guarantee that he'll start any of these games, but, you know, the fact that it's gone on this long makes you think that maybe maybe he is that guy that they're going to start. You know, the only other guy I could see right now is maybe Brett Anderson. But, um, you know, why not throw Frankie out there? He's been up to 100 pitches. He's been pitching in the in the uh, Arizona minor league complex for the A's every every fifth day. And he's on a starter's schedule. He's on a routine. And, you know, the way he looked earlier this year, I mean, why, why not give him the ball here? Yeah, I, 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 think, I, I think for him it would be healthy 
and for him mentally to get out there after letting his team down and being suspended and can't be there for the postseason, but just to get him back on the mound and, and get his mind right because he is a part of the future of this this rotation going forward into next year. Yeah, no doubt. You're, you're totally on about that. To come back and, and kind of you know erase that bad memory out of his, out of his mouth and and be able to contribute to a to a win here or, or you know something down the stretch here before he's ineligible for the playoffs. Um, you know, I think it'd be good for him because yeah, you know, without a doubt, I think you look at the next next year's rotation. You're looking at guys like Luzardo, Manaya, and Puck in there. And Montas, you know, Montas is still a part of that group. Um, you know, he had a kind of a, you know, a, a bad uh, situation that happened obviously this year. But I think the A's still, uh, I think they still see some raw talent in there. You know, no matter what the circumstances were, and I think they believe that he's got he's got some skills to be a, a good starter in this rotation for years to come. So I sat down with you in spring training, and just think back. If I would have told you then, Marcus Simeon is going to have arguably the greatest year in Oakland A's history, what would you have said to me back in spring? <laughs> you know, I would have had a tough time believing you. Um, you know, I always knew Marcus was a really, you know, hardworking player, but, I mean, I don't think anyone could have predicted what he's doing this year. You know, I, I'm telling people all the time, I think he's earned the top three MVP vote, in my mind at least, the top three AL MVP for what he's meant to this team. I mean, you go out there and you start breaking Ricky Henderson's record, you know, like it's nothing. I mean, he's broken like two or three in the past week. He's he's approaching all-time uh, Oakland records for runs scored and whatnot. And, man, his defense has been so much better all around. I mean, there's not many guys who impact their club on a daily basis. He plays every single day. He never gets a day off. Um, as far as guys who mean the most to their team, there's I don't know if there's anyone that matches what Marcus Simeon means to the Oakland A's. Yeah, when you start passing the names of Ricky Henderson, Reggie Jackson, Jose Canseco, I mean, that just tells you how special he has been. And talk about how he's a guy that goes out every single day, works his butt off every single day, and if you're in that clubhouse and you're looking at Marcus work hard every day, how can you not work hard every day? He's a silent leader, but he leads by example. Tell us what you see in leadership from Marcus, because you're in that clubhouse every single day. Yeah, I mean, you look at guys like Chapman and Olsen, and everyone kind of points to those guys as the cornerstones and the leaders, um, maybe because they're a little bit more vocal. But, I mean, those guys followed the, the example that was set by Marcus Simeon when they first got to the majors. Simeon's been doing this since he got to the A's in 2015. Um, you know, he goes about his leadership a different way. You know, he, he might not, you know, stand in the middle of the room and, and make a giant speech like that or anything, but he'll keep guys, you know, in, in check. He'll, he'll make sure guys are doing what they're supposed to do every day, um, working with all the infielders. He kind of leads that group out there in, in pregame warm-ups and all, all that. So um, he definitely has the respect of every single man in that clubhouse. That's that's for sure. And, um, you know, he's, he's a guy who's, you know, he's not an old guy, but he's in that in that clubhouse. He's certainly a veteran. He's been around the longest. You know, he's been around the longest as an A, and, and he's a Bay Area guy, so he knows about the history of the organization as well, and he kind of lets guys know about, you know, how things have been done here, you know, over the years. So, I mean, he's just a perfect fit here in Oakland, really, a bit, to, to be from the Bay Area and contributing in such a high capacity. You know, one guy who's also having just a phenomenal year, and, and I think everybody in baseball now realizes – this kid is he, – he, he's a budding star. 
If I was to tell you that Matt Olson is the best player long-term for the A's, what would you say? I think you might might be on something there. I mean, you talk about Simeon being an MVP. I think Matt Olson might be garnering some votes, which is crazy to think since he missed a full month, over a month, you know, early in the season. But you look at the record that they have once he came back and the numbers he's been putting up, um, you know, he's gonna he's probably going to win the gold glove again, right? I mean, nobody else, I don't think, comes close. He's close to 40 home runs. I mean, imagine if he didn't get injured, he would have hit 50 at least. Um, it's unbelievable what this guy has done. He's gotten better um, than last year, and last year was a, was a pretty good year for him. He's he's hitting way more consistently. He doesn't really go into long slumps anymore. Um, he, he's he's I think his average is around 270, and I think um, most people coming into the season I think projected him to be more of a low 240s guy. And you know he's shown that he, he's he's changed his approach a little bit. He's matured a little bit at the plate. He's kind of recognizing what pitchers are trying to do to him. But really, overall, just the evolution, it's fun to watch. Um, you know, he's a guy who's always learning and trying to get better. But, man, it, when it comes down to him and Simeon, Simeon's been there all year, so I think he gets the edge for MVP. But Olsen's right behind him, man. You know, if the goal ultimately is to win the World Series, I've been asking this question because the ALDS is five games. The ALCS is seven games. So you're going to have to get through. You're probably going to and, – and by the way, I was, I was just in Minnesota, and I went to Target Field on Saturday night. You know, the Twins are no day at the beach. So you're either going to have to – you're either going to have to beat either the Astros, the Yankees, or the Twins in a five-game set and a seven-game set. In that five-game set, would you actually really want to face the Astros? Because that means you're not going to face Verlander, Cole – and Grinky as much as you would in a seven-game series? You know, that's a tough one. I've gone back and forth because, I mean, you look at New York, and everyone, I think, automatically says, yeah, you know, we'd rather face the Yankees, right? I mean, the, the rotation isn't as strong, and then everyone thinks that they match up well with them. Um, but there's something about playing at Yankee Stadium in the playoffs, you know, no matter what. You know, the A's experienced it last year for a series. That, that's, that's a tough environment, man. And um, Yankees have have somehow had a magical run this year as well, which is crazy to say about the Yankees. You think they always just spend money and are good, but I mean, they've battled through a bunch of injuries. I don't, they've had a ton, they kind of like the A's last year, how many injuries they had and they still got through um, to the playoffs. Um, but the Yankees have, have lost a lot of stars and they've kept on going. So, I mean, none of those, like you said, none of those three teams are easy. Um, you know, facing the Astros for a five game instead of a seven game, maybe, Maybe um, you know you have a little bit of a better ch- better chance there instead of the seven game series, but um, you know all three are going to be tough. Um, it's going to come down to you know the A's getting solid solid contributions out of the the starting rotation, getting it to the, to the late inning guys in the bullpen. I think one thing that's different here this time around is having guys like Puck, Luzardo, and and Bassett to give you multi innings because um, I think you know the offense is really good. I think they're going to score runs for the most part, even against tough pitchers. I think. They're going to have some success. It's can the can the starting pitching and, and the bullpen overall hold down the other side. Hey, good stuff, buddy. We appreciate it. And uh, hopefully next time I see you will be October 2nd at the Coliseum for the wild card game. Sounds good, Tony. Looking forward to it. Thanks. Martin Gallegos from MLD, MLB.com. He covers your Oakland Athletics. I'm watching the Red Sox and the Rays right now. Top of the second inning. We're still at zero, but they've got a guy on right now. The Boston Red Sox do. 
I've been thinking about that question a lot over the weekend, how I want it to line up. We'll talk about that, and we're going to give you the first code word for you to win the MLB Network uh, party packet. We're going to give you the first code word, and we'll talk about who I want to see in the first round if they can win that wild card game next right here on A's Cast Live. Streaming from the East Bay, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. All righty. This is what we got coming up for you in the 5 o'clock hour. Eric Karros will be with us at 5. Former A, he ended his career. He and Mike Piazza ended their careers as athletics. So Eric Karros at 5, Bip Roberts at 5.30. So we have this sweet MLB network has put out these postseason packets. It's pretty cool. Hat, shirt, koozie. And we have them. And we want to give them to you. But you got to earn it. You got to win it. So I'm going to give you a code word. Next hour, you're going to have to go on Twitter and uh, look at A's cast. It's at Athletics. What is it again, Cody? At Athletics Cast 24. At Athletics Cast 24. So in the second hour, you go there, and we're going to put a code word on there. And then the third hour, back here on the program, we'll give you the third code word. So three code words. One now. One on Twitter in the second hour of the show, and then one the third hour right here on A's Cast Live. So you got to pay attention. The code word is Bashin. Bashin. The first code word is Bashin. Write it down. All right. I want to see if if the A's win, and yes, we put the cart before the horse here on streaming on a streaming show. I want to call it talk radio, but we're not radio. We're we're a streaming show. So A's win. All right? Let's just say they beat the Rays. So that's on Wednesday. Game 1 of the ALDS will be on Friday. I rather face the remember, my goal is to win the World Series. My goal isn't just to advance to the next round. My goal is to win the World Series. So, I really have the Astros first. And you may think that's crazy. I, I don't think it's crazy anymore. I, I, I went over this. I may have had a few cocktails. But I went over this in Minnesota with a couple of different people. And I've come to the conclusion, I'd rather play the Astros in five than play them in seven. Why? Well, I'm not going to see their big three-headed monster as much if I face them in five. You'd get Verlander probably first, Cole second. So Friday, Verlander, Saturday, Cole. Day off on Sunday. Monday, you'll get Grinky. Probably get Miley on Tuesday. 
day off, game five, you're going to get Verlander. So the only one you'll probably face, because I don't think they're throwing Verlander on three days rest. And might I mean, obviously, a lot may change. If, if game four is a clinch game for the A's, maybe they, and knowing that the A's have dominated left-handed pitching this year, maybe they do go Verlander. But, you know, you got to wait to see how the series plays out. But in theory, you're getting Cole once and Grinky once. Wouldn't you rather have that than a seven-game series? Because a seven-game series, if no one goes on three days rest, you'll go Verlander and Cole, Grinky, Miley, Verlander, Cole, Grinky. Grinky would be your game seven. So now I got to face Verlander twice, Cole twice, and Grinky twice. I rather I rather go in there for a five-game set. I've got a puncher's chance. I just took three out of four from them in Houston. Two games at Minute Maid, two games at the Coliseum, and then if you can get to that, if it goes to that game five, you're back at Minute Maid Park. So I only if I if you're telling me the goal is to win, not just move on to the next round. The goal is to win the World Series. I think this is the best route. This gives you the best shot. And, and, and here's the other thing. And I thought about this a lot as I was at Target Field on Saturday night. Everybody's talking about the Astros. Of course, everybody's going to bring up the Yankees. You know what no one's bringing up is the Twins. Because I was talking about this with my cousin going, you know, there's a chance I'm coming back to Minnesota for the ALCS. You trying to tell me that the Twins can't take down the Yankees? You trying to tell me that they can't beat the Astros? I was there for Saturday night when they hit home run number 294. How many they hit yesterday? They've got the most home runs in the big leagues. You can't tell me that the team that hits the most jacks can't knock anybody out. You can't tell me they can't win the World Series. And th- and you know what? They are fired up for baseball. They got they had a packed house. The place was loud. Oh my god, it was 12 to 8 3. So they they're at 297 home runs after yesterday. Anybody that hits that many home runs They've got a shot. So stop stop with the, and I'm not talking to you. I wish I was talking to the, the national media here. Stop talking about it's the Astros. Or if it's not the Astros, it's the Yankees. Because you know what? Whoever wins this wild card game is going to be a monster you don't want to face. I can tell you right now, A.J. Hinch said it a long time ago. What did A.J. Hinch, the manager of the Astros, say? The team I'm worried about is Oakland. He said that a long time ago. If the A's take down the Rays or the Tribe in the wild card game, you think the Yankees think it's going to be easy? You think playing the Twins? No, none of these are going to be easy. I think the American League, I mean, the National League, Cardinals are playing great baseball. They just had a historic uh, series. How about that? How about the St. Louis Cardinals got to put the dagger in their arch rival? They stuck the dagger right in the Cubs' heart. They hate each other. 
I, it, it's real. That is a real rivalry, a real, like, hatred. You know, down in spring training at the Cubs facility when uh, the A's went over there to play, they sell these nasty shirts that just make St. Louis – these shirts that just make St. Louis look like a bunch of hicks. <laughs> I mean, it's funny. I can't remember what the exact slogan was, but I was I was – I was in the Uber car and I looked over and they were selling all these shirts outside the stadium and I thought that's funny. I gotta look up to see what it was, but it made St. Louis just look like a dump. Well, now St. Louis, but St. Louis is tough. Atlanta's tough. Dodgers are tough. But I think the American League, whoever wins this wild card game, the four teams that are left. I won't be shocked if any of them move on to the World Series. I can make a case for the Twins, the Yankees, the Astros. And hopefully the A's. Eric Karros covers Major League Baseball for Fox. Does he give the A's a puncher's chance? You're going to find out next right here on A's Cast Live. This is A's Cast Live. Your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Austin left field deep. Bam going back. Looking up. He will watch it fly. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout and he plays. Way back! Goal for Yelich! Cody Bellinger hits one out! Beat on! So he's your home run derby champion! Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Hour number two, don't forget... We're going to be giving you a code word this hour, but we're not going to be doing it on the show. We're going to be doing it on Twitter, at AthleticsCast24. At the end of the show, you'll be given three code words. First person who texts it in at 510-897-1322 will win the prize pack from MLB Network, and it's pretty sweet. Eric Karos. Had some monster years. Remember, Dodger Stadium is a pitcher's ballpark. 1995, 32 home runs, 105 RBIs. The next year, 30 bombs, 111 RBIs. The next year, 31 home runs, 104. And then he got hurt when he was 30, but came back at the age of 31 34 dingers, 112 RBIs at the age of 32, 31 home runs, 106. So five times he drove in 100 runs. Finished his career with 284 home runs, 1,027 RBIs. He's a good player. Rookie of the year back in 1992. And arguably has the best hair of anybody in baseball covering uh, on television. His his hair game is strong. The Dodgers, man, back in the day, they were, you know him and Mike Piazza in the middle of that order. So earlier today, I caught up with Eric Karros, and we just started talking about this time of the year. You know, it's all coming down to these last few games. This is the very best. Yeah, no question. Uh, you know, especially with all the races, uh, you know, what's transpired the last uh, couple of weeks. And then, 
you know, what we all have to, to look forward to in the future because uh, there are definitely a lot of storylines. Yeah, you know, and, and for me, you know, throughout the year and people go, oh, it's only one loss in May or it's just a little blip in April. And then you start adding them up at the end of the year and you look how close these games are and how close these races are, like the Oakland Athletics who have a two-game lead and you got a tie here in the second spot between the Rays and Cleveland. They could be battling for just one spot. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, it is that it's such a long season, and at the beginning of the year, you know, the difference is you have time to make up those losses, or uh, you know, if you want to make changes, or you know, it's typical with with Billy Bean type teams, uh, you know, in Oakland, you know, you spend the the first part of the season, you know, letting things go and, and evaluating and. You know, then you you spend the next time, next third, making your moves, and then the last third. Okay, this is what we got. Let's let's see how it plays out. And you know, at the end of the year, obviously, you know, you're running against the the, the end of the schedule, so things feel and they are they're a lot more magnified uh, because you don't have a lot of room for error. And the way things are are playing out right now, uh, especially uh, with Cleveland and, and Tampa. Uh, things could very well come down to the very last day of the season and even extend beyond. Um, you know, and that's not to say that, hey, Oakland's, you know, got things going, but, I, you know, you, you've got to feel very confident that uh, right now the, the A's are in the driver's seat and will be that top wild card team. You mentioned Billy Bean. Just how impressive with everything that he has to deal with and knock on wood, the A's are getting into the postseason. This will be the 10th postseason appearance in the last 20 years for the A's. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things that, that play into it. Uh, obviously, the ability to to identify players, uh, draft well, especially you know at the beginning of that the, the run in the uh, you know the 2000 uh, late 90s. You know, you, you had some unbelievable talented play, pl- believable talented players like you know you had Tejada and Giambi and uh, you know the, the three-headed monster with the, the pitching. Um, and those types of guys that you know on the open market, those were, you know, those were eight, nine, ten million dollar players at the at the time. Um, but then the ability to identify things, to to kind of go out of the box, which, um, you know, it, it it plays well in Oakland because if you're a large market team, you very well can't. I don't want to say experiment, but but kind of do unconventional things and. Uh, obviously, some of the things uh, have worked, and he's been at the forefront of of implementing some of those philosophies. And uh, there's no question that uh, you know Billy's. I mean, you have to really talk about you know as far as innovation and the ability to 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 do some things. Uh, you know, I mean, it's a Hall of Fame type career. No doubt about it. And how was how was your stay in Oakland in 2004? So it was good. I mean, it started off where. It, you know, I was the opening day first baseman, and, and things were good. Um, I would say if I would have known probably a little bit more going into it about how things work, I, I don't know if that was the perfect place for me, just because I think they were at the forefront of, hey, look, at you know, we're playing some guys here, and then we're matching up here. And, and at that time, at that stage of my career, it wasn't really, you know, ideal for me. But as far as learning things, uh, the group of guys, you know, outside of, my lack of production it was a great experience uh you know i had a good time there and and i had known billy previously billy is a san diego guy and ironically um you know when i was growing up 
Billy was the high school player. Uh, a couple of years ahead of me, and uh, I remember his days at Mount Carmel High School and uh, would go and watch him play. So we start to look at there's going to be some changes here in the offseason, and I think the first place we look is in Chicago. Uh, it's a rough last week for the Chicago Cubs. They've lost six in a row. Where do you think they go with Joe Madden? It I doesn't look good, and, and obviously with the way things have transpired here in this last week, um, I, I would be shocked if the status quo, and it won't be just Joe, it will be – it will be a change in leadership. It will be a change in that clubhouse. And I don't know if that's where, you know, all of the issues, uh, you know, took place. Look, at the, the way that that roster was constructed, uh, you know, there were a lot of ifs going into the season. And there have been some, you know, some missteps along the way as far as, uh, you know, contractual signing. So, the easiest change, you remove the manager, you make some trades, you bring in some guys. Um, you know, is that where everything, you know, all the blame should be placed? No, but that's the easiest place to make a change. Were you shocked that Green was let go in San Diego before the end of the season? I was, but I, the, the reason probably that it's done, unless something else comes out, it, you know, you, you want to get ahead of the curve as far as identifying who you want to be the next manager, meaning there's going to be, you know, we, we know there's going to be an opening in San Francisco. The, there's talk of, you know, what happens in Philly, you know, what happens with the Mets. Obviously, Chicago is, is someplace that, you know, may or may not go in a different direction. Uh, you know, so there's going to be a lot of opportunity. And, you know, there's there's a certain number of candidates that, that that are at the forefront probably. And I think San Diego probably wants it known that, Hey, this is a place to come. And, um, you know, so if you are entertaining a managerial job, you know, Hey, look, you know, San Diego might be a place where, you know, you want to go interview. Well, up in our neck of the woods with Bochy, you know, calling it quits, mm-hmm. but he's mm-hmm. people have asked him, are, are, are you sure you're, you're over managing Will you be shocked if he ends up in San Diego? I don't. Here's the thing: I wouldn't be shocked if he's managing again. Now, San Diego—it's an interesting thing. It, it probably, I would guess that that place probably is a, a more of a veteran presence, which a guy, you know, Bruce would, would be an unbelievable fit there, uh, just because you've got the Hosmer, the Machado, you know, Tatis. Um, you know, maturing, coming into his own. But because you've got those two guys, Machado and, and Hosmer, I, you know, I think that's tough for a, a young guy to come in and, and, and handle that. Um, but it makes all the sense. You just you, you just got to see, does, you know, what does his lifestyle look like? What does he want to do? And is that the right place? And when we start to look towards the postseason here, if I had to say, who's your front runner in the National League? Are, are you going to stick with your Dodgers, or do you think there's somebody? Cardinals are hot. Obviously, the Braves are really are, are really good. Who do you like in the National League? No, if, if I had to, if I have to pick, I still I, I go with the Dodgers. Now, am I as confident in LA as I was three weeks ago? No, and and a lot of that has to do with. You know, there have been some injury issues. Uh, you know, Muncie hasn't swung the bat uh, as well since he's been back from the, 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 the wrist fracture. Uh, you know, will he be healthy enough? Because that's huge, hitting behind Bellinger. 
Uh, Turner's been down with an ankle, and and although he'll be you know he'll be playing, is that uh, going to impact the hitting? Uh, you know, Kenley Jansen has been you know up and down. Um, so again, I, I guess I'm not as confident. Look, you could make a case for the Braves. I think you could make a pretty good case for the Nationals. I have a tough time uh, with St. Louis or Milwaukee. Uh, they're great stories, uh, but I just, I, I just don't see that happening. I, I, again, I still have to say it's it's the Dodgers to lose. You know, and, and we'll switch over to the American League. I was actually just in Cleveland with the Raiders, and we went over to we went over to their beautiful ballpark and Target Field. And I just start thinking about you know everybody wants to crown the Astros, but we know how tough the Yankees are. The Minnesota Twins are not going to be an easy out. And then whoever wins the wild card game, whether it's going to be the A's or it's going to be the Rays or it's going to be Cleveland, mm-hmm. they're going to be real hot. So I mean, it's like it's like everybody's got a puncher's chance in the American League. Right. Still, though, if if I'm looking at if I'm looking at the Astros, and again, comparing them to all the other teams, the only, they're better than every other team in every facet, except maybe the bullpen. And then I'd probably give that to the Yankees. Um, and but the but the Astros, they've got Presley back in the bullpen. And that's not to say that that other teams can't. I I would probably handicap it as Astros, Yankees, A's, Twins, um, and then it, look at the the Ray, both of the Rays and the Indians could make some noise just because of the, the, the pitching uh, that they could run out there. The, the Rays, for me, seem a little lax on offense. Um, the you know the, the the Indians, I mean, same way, I don't know, and I'm, I don't know if I'm excited about their bullpen as well. Uh, the A's are I feel like they're kind of a poor man's version of the Yankees and the Astros as far as they're pretty darn complete. Um, you know, look, and Manaya is, I mean, that, that's that been a godsend for him, right? And, and I'd put him up against anybody, uh, whether it's Verlander or whether it's, you know, Paxton with the Yankees, you know, and, and he's going to give them a, a chance. So, Look, you can't count out the A's at all. But again, if I'm looking on paper right now, I still, I've, st- you know, the Astros. Um, but there's no reason why the A's, you know, they they get hot here and there. Some some contributions, uh, you know, the starting staff. You know, is Homer Bailey or Tanner Roark going to go out and, and and throw a gem? I mean, heck, they've been steals as far as trades are concerned. So. Uh, you, know, you just got to hope that continues in the postseason. Let's end on this. You you come up to the Dodgers. You're the rookie of the year in 1992. Mike Piazza's there. You guys are both becoming stars in baseball, living at the beach. What was that time like early in the Dodgers? Because you guys looked like you were just having the time of your lives. <laughs> you know, it's ironic you bring this up just because uh, I, I, ran, I was with Mike last night uh, at a – at Tommy Lasorda's uh, 92nd birthday party, and you know we hadn't seen each other in a while. Uh, he lives over in Italy now, and we were just talking about you know how quick the time has gone, and you know obviously uh, you know it was a it was a fun time. We were we were young single guys in in L.A. and uh, you know living a dream. We were we were playing baseball and uh, things were good. So great to have that opportunity and. You know, the irony of it as well, both of us ended our careers 
in Oakland. So <laughs> we were reminiscing about that. So all good, though. All good. Eric, always been a big fan. I really appreciate it. We'll be watching on television throughout the playoffs. All right. Thanks a lot for giving me the opportunity. Take care. Eric Karos. Imagine living in Manhattan Beach, you and Mike Piazza, and you're playing for the Dodgers, and you're single. <laughs> God. Would be pretty good. Would be pretty good. By the way, we have an update from St. Petersburg. We'll have it for you next right here on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Now back to the town. Here's Chris Townsend. Bip Roberts is going to join us, former A, former All-Star, Oakland's own. You see him now on A's pre- and post-game live on NBC California with our other guy, Brody Brazil. Don't forget, we'll have the second code word for you coming up here on Twitter. But I like, you know, I like what Eric really was saying there. And I can tell Eric actually is watching. I don't fault these East Coast guys. But let's face it, when you're on the East Coast, our games start at 10.07. We play three-hour-and-a-half games. You think on the East Coast they're staying up till, uh, you know, our game's going to end at what? Three hours? Our game's ending at 1.30 in the morning? I mean, of course they're just watching highlights. But he's a West Coast guy, so he's able to see our games. He's able to see what's going on here. And when he says, hey, listen, Oakland's got a shot at it, he called him a poor man's version of the Yankees and the Astros, but he understands they have a real shot. It's just you got to you, you, you got to win the wild card game. I mean that's just, but the the thing is, as Oakland has not been good in wild card games, but you're always on the road. This one will be at home, and I can tell you, nobody wants to come here and play. Liam Hendricks said that on A's Cast Live. No one wants to come here and play. Let's give you an update. Do you actually have the highlight? The commander. Let's take you to St. Petersburg, Florida. It's the Rays and it's the Red Sox in the second inning. Line shot. That's a slicer down into the corner and a fair ball. And that will bounce out of play. But it brings in the run. Jackie Bradley will score on a searing line drive by Marco Hernandez. It is 2-0 Red Sox over the Rays. Snell's out of the game, and it's become a bullpen game for the Rays. This is what they do. I've mentioned it in the past that it would be fitting that these two teams play against each other. Because they're like mirror images of each other in some ways. Let me tell you where they're not a mirror image. And it's one of the things I don't like about the Rays. 
is the fact that Kevin Cash, their manager, literally makes no decisions. He's literally told what to do in every single situation. So when you think of him as a manager, and I know he's been up for manager of the year, I I think it's preposterous. If anything, if you want to call their front office the best front office or whatever, you know, you want to give them an award. But I'm not giving a guy an award who doesn't manage, who doesn't make decisions. I guess his only job is to manage the people, which, oh, by the way, a lot of of these teams who basically made decisions – about managers based on them knowing and studying and believing in in the numbers and the analytics and not being people, not being people-friendly and guys who are able to manage humans, they're really finding out that these guys, these guys aren't working. Green in San Diego. I think you're going to see a change in Philadelphia with Kapler. Right now, uh, the Rays game, they're actually showing the wild card. So they got Oakland up by two off today. Tied with Cleveland, they're off today. Every one of these games, if you if you, if you you kick one of these games, just makes your, you, makes your life that much tougher. But you know, this is the thing that you got these, you got the, you know, you're you're called a manager for a reason. Whether it's managing a baseball team or you're a manager in whatever business, you have to be able to manage people and understand what makes people tick. It's just not the numbers. And this is where they're failing. Gabe Kapler supposedly is the biggest know-it-all. Andy Green in San Diego was a total know-it-all. You got to manage also the human beings. So many of these front offices think they're so smart and they think it's just about numbers. Well, if, if you're Amazon, yeah, then it's about the numbers. But you're not selling a product. Your product is baseball players. And how do you get the best out of these baseball players? Someone's got to manage them. Someone's got to travel with them. Someone's got to break bad news. That's one of the things that's great about Bob Melvin. Melvin has the respect of his players. And one of his his great talents, which I don't think a lot of you understand, one of his great talents is that he's able to talk to his players and let them know that he's trying to put them in the very best position to make them successful because when you do that, you can make more money in this game. It's that, it's, it's that simple. And when you, when you sell it to a player like that, Hey, Bob's got my back. Bob wants to help me have a longer career. Bob wants to help me make money. Is Andy Green, was he good at that in San Diego? Not from what I heard. I heard he was a load. And 
you know, when you try and play I'm the smartest guy in the room to your players, they may not buy in. And that's why, you know, these guys like Andy Green and Gabe Kapler, they've got to learn. Hey, that might be great that you know a ton about the analytics. And once again, their analytics are so different than what we really know. It's not sabermetrics. I mean, everybody is buying data. Everybody's getting this data. Whether whether you do it in-house or you buy it from a company that produces the data, that, that's what they're, they're going by. This, these are what, when we talk about the numbers, they're getting this data and they go with this, you know, what, what the data tells you to go with. But you still have to be able to get to know these guys and get the best out of them. And that's why Green's gone. I think that's why Kapler's going to be gone. It's going to be a lot of job openings this year. We're going to get into that a little bit later. I mean, you're going to have for sure, like, San Francisco's going to be open. Got to believe Chicago's going to be open, as Joe Madden will probably be shown the door. You got to think, well, San Diego's already open. You're going to have some, you're going to have some good jobs out there. But you got to find somebody who can relate to the players and the person that's got to be able to decipher the, the, the data. I think Tito Francona is a great. Bob Melvin's great at that. you got to be able to do both. Oh, and the third thing, too, don't forget, you got to be able to manage up. you got to be able to get along with, with, with ownership, You know, especially if you're going to have one of these presidents of baseball operations or VP of baseball operations. You got to get along with those guys too. You got to be able to manage up, got to be able to manage down. And when you can do that, you can stick around for a long time. We're talking about Marcus Simeon being an MVP candidate next with my man Bip Roberts right here on A's Cast Live. Now back to A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. All right, the Bibster is going to join us in moments. So do you want to call Bip first and then put the code word out on Twitter? Code word, second code word's coming out on Twitter very, very soon. Got to figure out my time with uh, Bob Melvin tomorrow, but we'll have the Bob Melvin show from Anaheim. So get ready to go to at AthleticsCast24. That's AthleticsCast24. Two outs, two runners on, down in St. Pete for the Red Sox. Red Sox up 2-0 on the Rays. Devers at the plate. A base hit here. Woo, it gets real interesting. Bill James posed a question on Twitter today. I think we got to get into that. It's about switch hitters. Speaking of a switch hitter, Bip Roberts was an all-star, was a terrific switch hitter, and he does a great job on television on NBC California. Bip, how are you, my friend? Cowdy, how you doing, my man? I'm great. Yeah, well, let me tell you, Devers just ripped a ball for a base hit 
The Red Sox now lead the Rays 3-0, and with the Rays' loss, that magic number, I mean, still got to play this game out. That magic number goes from 5-4. to four. What what a great time this is. What a great season. You think about the A's, Bip. I mean, you've got to win a ton of games now just to get into the wild card. It was 97 last year. Uh, the A's are going to end up somewhere around that. Isn't that crazy how many games you got to win just to be in the wild card game? Yeah, you know, it's that uh, proverbial snowball rolling down the hill, and the snowball gets bigger and bigger. And it seems that as the season has progressed, the A's have gotten better and better to the point now where, Tony, I believe right now, most of the league may be afraid of the Oakland A's. And I'm just talking about where we are today. And if we were to start the playoffs today, I think that they would be the team I would be most afraid to play. And so that says a lot based on the Yankees. It says a lot based on who the Houston Astros are. But right now, when you talk about not being afraid to take one on the chin and the punch back, the Oakland A's are a team that you really – that I think really they have a puncher's chance. And so I would not count this team out to do some things that they haven't done in the past. Yeah, I was thinking about it over the weekend because I was in Minnesota and I went to Target Field on Saturday night and, and watched the Twins. You know, whoever whoever they are, J.D. Martinez with a base hit up the middle, that will bring in another run as now the Red Sox lead the Rays 4 nothing. You know, when I think of the Astros, the Yankees, let's say it's the A's, uh, even the Indians, the Rays, the Twins, yeah, when you say a puncher's chance, yeah, I think a lot of people are going to say the Astros are the favorite, but it's not always the best team that wins the World Series, Bip. It's the hottest team. It's about timing. You know, the only thing that could work against the A's is the, I would say, experience factor. I'm not maybe going into a series and understanding the playoffs, but I think they have the aggression that you're looking for, and they have the expertise from the top to the bottom. When it comes to the coaching staff, you look at Melvin, you look at Matt Williams, you look at these guys who've been there before and that are mentors on this team, I think they would have a, a, a great opportunity to do something special. And then you have guys who are playing well, that are in the prime of their when we would say at the age where you could be in the prime and play baseball at the same time. So you see what Simeon's doing, and you see what Chapman's doing, Olsen's doing, and you look around and you see that they have the glue of the team and guys like Marcana and Pender. These guys are, are invaluable because of the things that they can do and what they've done, and, and then you have the, the laser out there. So you have guys all around that field right now who are stepping up to be big-time major league players, and they get the job done. So – I'm expecting these guys to continue to play the way they have played this entire season because consistency is what they've been. And so you expect that consistency to play the rest of the schedule out. And so I expect big things. And, you know, sometimes during the season you just have to raise the bar. And what these guys have done in their play is raise the bar. All around the field, these guys have improved. I mean, they've improved so much to now we're talking about Marcus Simeon and the MVP talks. You know, he may not win it. But if I was to say, hey, why do you think Marcus Simeon should win it? I would say because he plays the toughest position in baseball, which is shortstop. And he plays it every day. And he plays at a high level. And nobody else has done it this season that way. So the A's have guys right now who are playing extremely well, top in baseball, and continue to, with that confidence, go out there every day and fight for nine innings. 
you know, Bip, you grew up in Oakland. You watched Reggie Jackson. You know all about how great uh, Ricky Henderson is. But, you know, with six games left and some more production, you know, Marcus Simeon could be having the greatest year of any Oakland A. I mean, the numbers are unbelievable. And what you just said, shortstop, playing it every day, the offensive numbers, what does that mean to you when I say that this could be the greatest year an Oakland A has ever had? Howdy, that <laughs> it makes me laugh because it, it, it's something that you did not think could happen a few years ago, or you did not know that you know it could happen. But it happens when special things are happening, when you have a team around you that makes you better. <laughs> and, and I always say. I always had some great players around me and Roberto Alomar and Tony Gwynn, Joe Carter. They made me better. And that's what Marcus Simeon is. He's a guy that's a great table setter in the leadoff spot, but a guy that can drive the ball in the gaps and out the yard, 40 doubles, 30, what, 33 home runs, 32 home runs, and capable of almost driving in 100 runs, scoring 120. That's incredible to me. And then you improve on the batting average side. I think that's where it all started. You know, last year or the year he had the wrist injury coming back, learning how to become a better hitter, using the opposite field, and all of a sudden now things start to click. The one thing Marcus told me that made the most sense out of anything that's happened to him is that he said, Biff, I am no longer nervous when I play. And I, I can see it. He, he looks beautiful out there, and, and I'm so proud of him. And it's just the fact that he works so hard. And he's gotten better because of that. And so when you start talking about being from the Bay and being from Berkeley and Oakland and, and Oakland A's history, it takes a guy from the Bay to be better than one guy from the Bay. And I'm not going to say he's better than Ricky Henderson, but to have a better season that any Oakland A has ever had, it, it just seems like it's just it's just apropos that it happens to Marcus Simeon, being that he is from here and grew up an Oakland A's fan. So. My hat's off to him this year, big fella. You you played in in the middle of the diamond. Just tell us how hard it is to play shortstop every single game for literally over six months. The shortstop is the leader of the infield, and he is the leader on the field. Everything goes through him, whether it's a signal from the, the bench to tell him, uh, with, with taking it one, with, with throwing it down, or with not holding it down, or Marcus is figuring out if it's a breaking ball, so he can let Chapman know, or is Marcus letting the shortstop know he's, I mean, the second baseman know he's covering. Marcus is letting the outfielders know who's in charge. Marcus has to do everything out there, and above that, he has to get out there early and work to show everyone why he's the leader on the field. And with that, after that, he has to perform, and he has to, to come up with results in order to become a team leader. And so, you know, when I look at it and, and I say, this cat had a chance to play 162 games at shortstop. And the majority of the balls are hit up the middle. So he's got to make plays to his left, to his right. And it becomes the toughest position on the field because, again, that's one of the deepest throws that you have to make. You know, Chaffee plays so deep, and sometimes he makes some really, really long throws. But Marcus's throw consistently has to be either on the run, to his left, to his right, to his backhand, and it has to be done without catching the ball, patting his glove, because the guy will be safe because he plays shortstop is deep enough for a guy to maybe beat out a ground ball. 
So he has to know the, the, the speed of the runners. He has to know what happens if he goes left, right, coming in, going behind himself. He has to know everything that happens before the pitch every day. And mentally, that can become tiring. It can, you can become exhausted. Every guy needs a day off, but Marcus does not get a day off. I think Bob Melvin knows that you don't give your shortstop most of the time a day off or your center fielder. They play every day if they're good. And these guys have become more than good. They've become great. Marcus has because he plays every day. And I don't know if people understand what it takes to play every day. Some people have it. Some people don't. There's no way I could have played 162 games. But Marcus is special. And when you look at baseball today, there's not many like him. And so I would say to uh, the Oakland A's fans, be happy what you have now because there's some guys behind him that are pushing him that we don't know. But I'm going to say this. Potential to me in minor leagues is not greater than somebody doing the job in the big league. So who's ever behind Marcus that they believe has a chance to come up here and play, he better be damn good because if something happens and Marcus is not here, I'm going to be upset. Yeah, and you mentioned center field, and I think we, we, we have to mention just how great Mark Canna has been for this ball club. You know, when you're passing out MVP votes for the team, he's definitely got to be, you know, he's got to be one of your top guys because he's just been duct taped. That's our new nickname for him, Bip, because wherever there's a problem, <laughs> you put him there and he fixes it. Who would have ever thought that Mark Canna can hit the way he can and play center field on an everyday basis? It's really good to see his growth. You know, he came here as a Rule 5 guy, and he had to be here. And sometimes people believe you're given something because you're Rule 5. I happen to know that personally. I was a Rule 5. And it, it just feels so good when you earn it. And Mark Canna has really earned it this year. And he has earned it and earned his spot in that lineup. It started with his back. And then all of a sudden, he had to fill in some positions, and it started to become... Marcana can play anywhere, and it doesn't hurt his back, which means he's strong mentally as well as physically. And he just continued to, at the plate, just, just, just put, put his will, just, I mean, will himself to do things against that pitcher, against that pitcher's will. And it just shows how strong and, and the character that he has and the instincts to understand what it is that he can do and do well and then make it happen at the plate. And he started driving the ball, getting himself in good position to hit, stand behind a baseball, and getting off good swings. And it just developed so much confidence. And so when you look at his season, it's been outstanding. Without him, I don't know where the A's would be because he's filled in so admirably. And he's done the job. He didn't just fill in as a fill-in. He's done the job and become a star. And so with that, he's going to be in the lineup. Because you see right now, he's plants in the field and laser is still in right, which tells you a lot. You know, let's leave it like it is because it's working right now. So Mark Canna has done a great job in not just being a fill-in, but being a guy that you can count on no matter where he plays. Whoever wins the wild card game and who makes the fourth team, I got to tell you, Bip, you know, Minnesota's got 297 home runs. They're, they're going to – they've already broke the all-time record. They're going to have over 300 on the season – so you talk about the hottest team is, is is the team that usually wins it. I think you can make a case for the for obviously the Astros, obviously the Yankees, but also the Twins. 
Who do you think is going to be yeah. the toughest to go against? Well, I believe all of them will raise their game to another level. I think everyone has the capabilities to win the World Series. I just think that, you know, you've seen these guys all season. The A's have books on all these guys. They face these guys. They, they have the confidence. The thing that the other teams haven't seen is they haven't seen Manaya. They haven't seen the fires of Manaya go back to back. And then what do you do after that? You know, there's guys that the A's could put in that rotation and change it based on what the matchups may be. So Manaya is the key. He's like a chess game. All of a sudden, you, you thought you had the other guy's queen, but you didn't realize that there was a pawn waiting in front of you, and he takes that queen, but, and the A's now have that queen or king, whichever you want to call it, a one or a two, and he's left-handed. So I think that's the key to this whole series and to, to this playoffs now is that Manaya's healthy and Manaya's on point. And so that brings the A's that ace of spades that you're looking for or something that gives you the edge in the playoffs. They've seen what and, – and the thing is that the A's, the confidence, when they beat Verlander, that's when they started to believe they can beat Houston. It took a long time to beat Verlander and then beat him convincingly. I mean, on a tough day where he was, he was bringing it, but they still beat him. And so that gives them confidence. And, you know, we know what Cole can do. But the bottom line is it's going to come down to that major pitching. And I just believe that the toughest team that the A's are going to have to face will probably be the Houston Astros. You know, Bip, I, I, I think about Andy Green, the organization you used to play with, the San Diego Padres, and you got these young managers now who kind of have that know-it-all mentality, and, and obviously they know – analytics but I, I just wonder do these guys really know how to manage people and that's why I wanted to ask you how important is it for for a manager to really be able to relate to his players and understand his players well just look at our manager Bob Melvin I mean the last few days when you watch him in the dugout the things that are happening for Marcus Simeon he is on his feet like a standing ovation clapping for his player and then he says, yes, Marcus Simeon is in the MVP talk. So that's when you like, okay, he, he feels the pulse. He's watching what's in front of him, and he's really taking it in. Some guys see things and it just goes in one ear, one, one ear and out the other ear. They see it today, they forget it tomorrow. But Bob doesn't do that. Bob, he, he has a, the feel of his team. He knows who can do what in certain situations. And that player understands the same thing. He says, and, and Bob has said this to me. He says, man, I, I go to take a guy out. He goes, you're right. Hey, the guy can do a better, do it. he's got a better average in this situation than I do. Yeah, okay. Then the guy turns around and roots for his teammate. That's when you know you, everybody's pulling the rope in the same direction. And so the, 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 things like that it lets me know who, who has a grasp on their team and who doesn't. And, and, and Bob is just a prime example of what you should do as a manager. Hey, on your way out, Bip, I always want you to promote your, uh, your, 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 your net because your training device for baseball is one of the best in the game. Oh, my goodness. County is the cutoff, man, by teammate sports right now. A lot of teams are using it, especially the high school teams. Some, some coaches now have five and six on the field, and it just really helps these guys with all their mechanics. It's a, uh, a net that has a uh, apparatus where you throw into it and – the balls go right into the bucket. So you get a lot of work in less time. You get better as a team. It keeps your flow of your practice going. You never get bored because now you can challenge each other to get better and better. And, and it's, it's, it's reasonably priced. It's at 250 
You know, it's a machine that probably should go for about 600 bucks, but we've been able to find manufacturers that can, you know, manufacture to us and we can sell it at 250 bucks. So if you're a coach, if you're a father, mother who wants to get their player better, you should look at this, uh, the cutoff man at Teammate Sports. I guarantee you it'll get your kid better. If not, I'll give you your money back. Bip, you are the best, my friend. I'll see you at the wild card game. All right, my man. See you later, my brother. See ya. The great Bip Roberts. Oh, no. We've got bad news from uh, St. Petersburg. Do you have it? Brandon Lowe has just gone deep. Choi hit a three-run shot. Lowe with a solo shot. We are now all tied at 4-4. Rays are tough. They're tough. They know what they're fighting for. So the Red Sox, they get out to a 4-0 lead. But now the Rays have come back with two home runs, and it is all tied 4-4. As they like to say, it's a whole new ball game. This is where, and this is this is where it's tough. Is when you get into this, we're gonna. It's gonna be the battle of the bullpens, and Boston is gonna make a change. Well, the Rays bullpen is tough, and they've conditioned their guys. This is why bullpenning and the opener, it works for them. Because they're committed to it. It's not something like they're just going to bust out, right? They do it all season long. It's now something that's a part of who they are. The other team who's been really successful with it, too, has been the New York Yankees, surprisingly. Now, do you have that question, the exact question, Commander Cody, that Bill James put out there today? The legend that is Bill James? He threw a question out on Twitter. What is the question, Commander, that Bill James is that is that his official account? Yeah, he doesn't. Not, he he's, doesn't. He's not verified, but it's his official account. How does he has he not have a a, a a blue check? I don't know. Maybe the Red Sox won't let him. You remember he works for the Red Sox as like a consultant, s- some kind of advisor or something. By the way, Tony Larusa, friend of the program, he's staying in Boston. I know we, we were wondering about that when we had him on last week. What's going on there? Because he worked under Dombrowski, but it's uh, I mean, it's good for the Red Sox to keep someone like him under under control for when you bring in another president of baseball ops and GM like they're going to do. But the tweet from Bill James was, "If using an opener becomes more common, will that make switch hitters more attractive?" And then we had to think about what's what's yeah, some switch hitters in baseball. It, it, to me, it's a dying art. I mean, that, that's that's how I feel about it. I understand his question, but I, I think we're seeing less and less switch hitters because it's just so tough. I mean, it, 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 I mean, just to hit from one side of the plate, right? We've talked with Jed Lowry about this for years. We talked a couple times this season with Robbie Grossman. You have to manage two different swings. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, that's brutal. That's a lot of work. And part of the problem with being a switch hitter is normally you're going to be better from one side. Like, look at Jerks and Profar's numbers. 
Jerickson Profar, his numbers versus left-handed pitching are far better than right-handed. You know, the thing of a switch hitter is you never face the slider going away from you. But I just, I think it's a, I just think it's something that we're not seeing as much as ever before. The question, you know, my question would be this. If you are going to start seeing historically more relievers, but I think that's coming to an You know what? I think it's coming to an end because now they're going to make you face three batters. So I think that kind of goes, you know, the question, if you had more relievers, would you start seeing, would it start forcing people to start switch hitting more? And I just don't think that's going to be the case. It's just, it's just so hard to do. I agree. I remember our, the ace first round draft pick, Logan Davison's a switch hitter. So, and we, when we look through the list, like some of the best switch hitters in baseball right now are Jose Ramirez, who's hurt, Francisco Lindor, and Carlos Santana. All three of them play on the same team. Yeah. And then Jed Lowry's on the list, and he hasn't even taken a swing in a game yeah, yet. Yeah, you're not going to put Profar or Grossman on that list. No, not, not, up, not up there with uh, Ramirez and Lindor and what Carlos Santana's been doing at the plate. Yeah, Mickey Mantle, you know, Eddie Murray. I mean, you start th- you know, thinking of great switch hitters in the Hall of Fame, but it's just so much so much management you have to do uh, uh, for, to be a switch hitter. You know, how much does it take away from your overall game? Does it take away from your defense because you're having to work so much on two swings? But, yeah, I don't think Bill James, when he asked that question, factored in where you're going to have to use a reliever to face three batters. I can tell you something that was so ridiculous from Saturday night, you know, watching all the relievers come walking out because the bullpen's like in left center at target field watching all of the relievers come out first because first right before the game all of the twins relievers came out then after the royals hit in the top of the first then all their guys came out i think i counted i think it was 13 guys there were 13 guys down in the royals bullpen 13 so you have a starter and then after that you've got 13 guys to cover nine innings I mean, it's just a joke. Thank God September call-ups uh, is going to be a thing of the past. Remember the other day in Boston, Bruce Bochy used 13 relievers in that game. They used a major league record, I think, 24 pitchers. In tied that. a major tied, league tied record. Tied the major league record of 24 pitchers in that 15-inning marathon game that the Giants just eked out against the Red Sox. There's an interesting job opening down in Southern California right now. And as Eric Caro said earlier today, you know, maybe because normally why would you fire your manager before the end of the year? Well, if you don't like the guy. And I thought Eric Caro's put a – I think he put a pretty good spin on it that, you know what, maybe they really just want to – A.J. Preller, who runs the Padres, really just wants to get ahead of this to let everybody know, everybody know hey, there's a job opening here. Got some, got some good pieces at the big league level. Our minor league levels rated number one. Already rumors about Bruce Bochy going back to the Padres. But there's another guy out there that has connections that A.J. Preller has connections to that I don't know how many people would think about this. But who was in Texas managing when A.J. Preller was also in Texas. 
Do you know Commander Cody? Oh, I know. I know. I know who it is. Ron Washington. So good. I, just, I thought he was going to end up taking the Braves job for the extended Snitker. I thought Wash was going to take that job. Uh, quickly, um, it's now, uh, I believe, 6-4 Rays. As Adamus, they scored again? Adamus hit a home run. It's the third homer of the uh. inning for the Rays against the, well, defending World Series champion Red Sox. Yeah, Willie Adamus, a two-run homer. His 20th of the year, it's 6-4 Rays. Come on, Sox, step it up. They you, scored six runs this inning. You dog. Coming up next, Tony Gwynn Jr. played in the big leagues. Obviously, everybody knows his Hall of Fame father. We lost Tony far too early, one of the great hitters of all time. Lost his battle with cancer. But Tony does television. Tony Gwynn Jr. does television down in San Diego. He's on radio? I thought he was on TV. He only he does radio? He's on their flagship station? Yeah, he does radio. All right, so Tony Gwynn Jr. does radio. Why did Andy Green have to be let go early? And who does he think the next skipper of the Padres will be? And does he think it's Bruce Bochy? We'll talk about it next on A's Cast Live. Now back to A's Cast Live. Broadcasting from the town, here's Chris Townsend. There's going to be a lot of jobs open this offseason. We're going to be joined by Tony Gwynn Jr., who does radio and television around the San Diego Padres. And there's some interesting names. You got Joe Girardi, Ron Washington, Bruce Bochy. Are they going to want to go younger? Someone who's more into analytics? But, yeah, I mean, how's it going to go in San Francisco? How about the Chicago Cub job? I mean, they, they, you know, the expectations there are going to be, you know, to win it. Moises Alou is a Padres special assistant. Rod Barajas, remember him? He's a Padres interim manager. They've got Bochi. Carlos Beltran's been brought up. There's a lot of guys who are probably going to want this job. And Tony Gwynn Jr. joins us here. Welcome to A's Cast Live with Chris Towns. And how are you doing, Tony? I'm well, Chris. How about yourself? I- I'm doing good. And first off, you know, when we first saw that the Padres were making a change, why do you think the Padres didn't wait till the end of the season? I mean, I, I don't, I'm not privy to the information, but my guess is, you know, based on how A.J. Preller and the organization has operated over the last few years, they start having discussions about, you know, the following year, especially when your team is out of it like the pods are. Uh, they've, they've, they've started processing what direction they want to go, uh, just developmental plans for the players and organization moving forward. And my guess is that they didn't want to be disingenuous to Andy and, uh, decided to make the move rather now than than later, and I, I and my guess is that it had a large part to do with that. You know, you're going to have conversations about the future. Do you really want to have the guy that you already have in your mind at this point is not going to be a part of it? Yeah, well, we know the job. I mean, I grew up in San Diego, so living in San Diego is sweet. But when you look at what they have, they've got they've got some core players, and they also have a a stack minor league system 
How great of a job do you think the Padre job is? I think for the first time in a long time, uh, the search can be as wide as they want it to be because there will be a lot of suitors, I think, that want this job for those reasons you mentioned. I mean, um, the Padres, the thing that A.J. Preller has done well up to this point, uh, that the organization just has had a bad track record in the past, uh, is draft. Uh, He's been able to draft well, um, and those guys have done well in the minor leagues. Now you have to, my guess is, bring in a a guy that's going to be able to help get them to perform at the big league level. And uh, A.J. Preller in his presser uh, on the day that they they decided to to move move away from Andy Green, one of the things he mentioned that caught my ears was uh, he didn't mention the young guys. He mentioned wanting to bring a manager in that could not only get guys like Manny Machado and Eric Hosmer to do the things that they've been doing their whole career, but to get them to go to rise above that. And in my mind, that certainly kind of eliminates a manager with no experience coming into this job. Wow. Cause then you start throwing out some names, you know, you've heard, and from Joe Girardi, you start thinking about Mike yeah. Sosha, uh, Bruce Bochy, who lives in San Diego, has not re- he has not said I'm retiring. Uh, when you right. start, so you you think what they need is they're going to bring in a veteran guy? I mean, that's what it sounded like on um, was that Saturday or Friday they decided to move on from Andy. Uh, that's what it sounded like that day. Now he did an interview this morning where. He kind of danced around that question. Uh, so, you know, maybe he's having second thoughts. But initially, and based on what I know about this roster, it doesn't necessarily have to be a guy that, that, that's got a whole lot of managerial experience. But, I mean, it, the Padres set a deadline for themselves five years ago. You know, they said they wanted to bring in uh, – they wanted to start from scratch. It was going to take till about 2020 when they would be competing. And, you know, you, when you set your own deadline – you can expect that the pressure that's going to come along with from the fan base that is expecting 2020 to be the year. So in my mind, it can't be a, it can't be a guy who doesn't have the experience because, you know, from a managerial standpoint, if you can, if you get Eric Hosmer and Manny Machado following, everybody else follows suit at that point. So, uh, and then you also to top on, on top of that, you think about the managers that both of those guys have had in the past. They've both been cut from, an older cloth, uh, you know, Ned Yost, who, who says he's going to hang it up at the end of the year, and, and Buck Showalter are, are as old school as it gets. So uh, it, it seemed it would seemingly be, considering A.J. mentioned those two guys by name uh, during his presser, that it would be a guy like that. But uh, it also has to be a guy that can relate to the new age baseball player as well. And I think some of those names you mentioned can do that. Well, you make a very good point uh, about who these guys have played for in the past. Uh, two of the names that I'm looking at are potentially out there. Eric Chavez, of course, was a great athletic. He's a friend of the program. He's he's down there with the Angels. He's done a little bit of managing. And the other name that kind of blew me away, and you want to talk about a guy who can walk into a clubhouse and relate, Carlos Beltran, who's a special advisor mm. to the Yankees. What do you think about those two names? I think those names are, are names we should all watch out for. Um, it, it, and, and you bring up a really good point. I mean, 
those guys immediately walking to even Eric Chavez walks into a locker room and they have the respect of the players immediately. They both won at high levels. Uh, Carlos Beltran is probably going to be more familiar to a lot of those guys that are in the clubhouse at this point. Uh, but those are those are certainly names that you definitely have to consider, I think. And and I, like I said, this this job for the first time that I can remember in my lifetime will be a very coveted job. Uh, the baseball stuff we've talked about. I mean, you get the good weather. You know, all all year round, all of those things play into it. But ultimately, I think the the key to this is how the the how how will it mesh with the front office, and that has to be uh, at the forefront. You you gotta have if you're AJ Preller, you want to bring somebody in who can at least understand your vision and can can execute what you're trying to get done here as you try to move into a contention. Uh, process for this organization. And another team that you played for, they got so much talent. It's not, The Los Angeles Dodgers, they're not going yeah. away. It's not like their window is closing anytime no. soon. Talk about all the talent that they have, and they've still got more talent to bring up. That That is <laughs> – the Dodgers are going to be a thorn in the Padres' side for a, for a long time moving forward. I mean, just when you think – you know, the Clayton Kershaw's at the back end. You know, Rich Hill's getting old. Uh, all of a sudden, you, you get the new guys coming up, guys like May, guys like Lux, guys like Will Smith. And the, the thing that I think separates the Dodgers from most of the organizations is not only do they draft well, they develop well because guys come up, and they don't even have to necessarily be top prospects, but they come up to the big league level and they are productive, even if it's in a bench role, even if it's in a spot start role. They can bring guys up and get production out of them. And as long as they're doing that, along with the, the top prospects that come up and do well, it's hard to see them really going away anytime soon. I mean, just thinking this year alone, they brought up a, a guy like May, and they bring up a guy like Lux, and they hit the ground running. They bring up a catcher in Will Smith who hits the ground running, and that's just three guys I've named. They've, they've brought up a whole bunch of guys this year that have been able to contribute at some point. So, listen, the Padres know that that's going to be there, but it's important for them to focus in on what they have to do because, you know, with the wild cards available, it doesn't have to be a divisional win. I'm sure that's the end goal is to win the division, uh, but the Padres aren't quite there yet. Yeah, it's the same thing that the Oakland A's are dealing with. The, the, the Dodgers and the Astros, you said development. It's not only do they draft well and they bring these guys up, but they also, they go out and take other players from other organizations. They bring yeah. them in and make them better. And that's, you know, development is the key in baseball today. And if you think how good the Dodgers are, I mean, the Astros are the same way. Yeah, no, they they are the, they're basically the Dodgers American League version. Um and you could actually call it flip side. You could flip that because Astros ended up walking away with a World Series title over the Dodgers. So you could say that they're actually doing it a little bit better. Um, and that's been kind of the, the game plan seeming, seemingly for the Padres. They've kind of followed that uh, game plan that the Astros have. And, and the key to that is the guys you draft, you got to hit on. The guys that you as an organization know may not be there, you got to be able to sell that to the other organizations so you can get other players that help. Um, the trick is, 
you know, as I said, AJ Pro has done such a terrific job of stocking this uh, organization with young talent. But the trick is to figure out which one of the young talents is gonna is gonna be the guy that actually can make it. Because all of them won't, no matter how drafted, how high they're drafted. It's just a fact that all of them won't make it. And, and the trick for for AJ and, and GMs across the league is figuring out which guys will, which guys won't, and being able to move those guys that won't to get guys that will. And and that's been the name of the game. The Astros do it well. The Dodgers do it well. And, you know, that's why they're always at the top in terms of winning divisions and, and getting deep in the playoffs. The bottom line, who's the hottest teams? That's usually who we see in the World Series. If you had to, yeah. pick, if you had to pick it today, who do you like in the series and who do you think wins it all? Ooh, if I had to pick today, I would probably say the Astros. They have, to me, the most complete team. You know, they got a strong starting rotation. Probably, other than the Nationals, the best of the starting rotations. Uh, they got a solid bullpen. You know, offensively they can do it. And the thing I like about the Astros, and, it, and it's a little bit like the Dodgers, um, they can beat you offensively in every way possible. They can play the small game. They can play the, the the home run game. They can do a little bit of everything. And the Dodgers are the same way. I just don't think the Dodgers uh, bullpen is strong enough. Um, I think there's some other teams in the National League that in a seven game series can give them problems, but. Your original question was, who do I think can win it? I think it's the Astros. Tony, great stuff. We truly appreciate it. We'll check back with you when the Padres hire their new manager. And uh, we're also going to be down there at the winter meetings. Hopefully we can have you on again. Sounds good. I look forward to it. Tony, thank you. Tony Gwynn Jr. Wow, he sounds just like his dad. Isn't that crazy? Um, yeah, winter meetings. What job would you want? Like, what job long-term would you want? When you really start to think about it, let's get into that. There's going to be a ton of openings. Where would you want to be? We'll talk about it here on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Now back to the town. Here's Chris Townsend. All right, we're going to be giving out the third code word. Now, some of these jobs we're going to be talking about, we're assuming the guys are getting fired. Rob Nyer is going to join us coming up here at 630. All right, give me the jobs. So you're going to have SF, KC, San Diego, those are three for sure. Yes, and then we're assuming that. Okay, we're going to assume Cubs. Cubs. Uh, Phillies. Uh, I'm going to wild speculation. The Pirates. Pirate. Ooh, I don't want that. Uh, maybe the Tigers. Uh, the Mets. Ooh. Who knows about Seattle? That's a, they're always a wild card. Although they just gave Scott Service an extension last year. Yeah, I don't think he's because they they basically said we're not winning. Do you think LA? Do you think LA gives Osmus another year? Yes. They just uh, brought him in. Yeah. Well, and the Marlins just resigned Mattingly, so that job's not open. Yeah, I, I can tell you right there, that's not going to be on my list. That's a buying or selling question. I don't want to. I don't want to spoil it. I'm okay. saving that for the Marlins. Uh, anybody else? 
I don't think so. I mean, I mentioned to you during a break that what about the Red Sox getting rid of Alex Cora? I mean, that that would be unbelievable. I mean, I, I don't know. You start you start getting to a point to where you're now making yourself not attractive. Yeah, well, I mean, Buster only wrote an article on ESPN yesterday saying how it could be very difficult for the Red Sox to find their next GM because John Henry keeps just going through these. You know what? He he. When did he do that? It was uh, yesterday, I believe. You know, because I, I asked that question. I don't know if I did it on the air or if I did it. I think I might have done it at dinner up in uh, Minnesota, Minnesota, where I'm like, is it really that attractive of a job? You know, if you're like one of the, if you're like Heim Bloom, right? And you're like the super young, well-respected guy. How old's Heim? Like 36. Like, do you want to go to a situation where they basically said, you don't win the World Series, you're fired. And everybody's like, yeah, you'd have to take the job. I'm like, ah, really? I mean, that, that seems pretty harsh. Like, to watch how they did Dombrowski. All right, would you be interested in San Francisco? If you have your choice, are you interested in San Francisco? There's mild interest. For me, I think they're a long way from winning. I've been saying this for a long time. They got nothing in their system. You're not a fan of Joey Barton, Elliot Ramos? That's about it. They're they're not they're not rated. I mean they're they're like in the bottom bottom half of baseball being rated. Yeah. Oh, they also have Hunter Bishop, who's from Sarah, Sarah High School. But that's three guys I can think of off the top of my head. They're what like sixty seven, sixty eight games under five hundred since the two thousand sixteen All Star break. It's not very good. So I, I, I'm not factoring in quality. Okay, I'm not. I'm, obviously, I live here. <laughs> so I mean, I mean. I know how great it is to live here, but I don't want to factor that in. I mean, I'm talking from a baseball standpoint. I don't think I'm going to San Francisco. Um, Steve Fiziok told us how loaded the Kansas City Royals minor league system is, but they're years away. I mean, I want to go somewhere where I can win, or am I close to winning? That's where Cubs' job's interesting. Philly's job is interesting. I want nothing to do with the Tigers. They're, I want nothing to do with the Pirates. Tigers have the sixth-best farm system, according to MLB.com, though. They're, they're years away. And with the Cubs, how much that, that has their window closed is the thing. They still got talent, and they got money. Yeah. Well, you got to see what they're going to do with Chris Bryant, too. I mean, he's rumored to maybe get traded in the offseason. Phillies have talent and money. They got 12 years of Bryce Harper left. So the, the, the three jobs that would interest me would be Chicago, Philadelphia, and San Diego. We forgot the White Sox could be a team. I don't know what they're going to do with Rick Renteria, but they got a stack farm system. Yeah, that's another one I'd be interested in. And they got Tim Anderson, who hates baseball, uh, Eloy Jimenez. <laughs> He's such a – Yoan Moncada, and you have Lucas Giolito. Yeah, who I'd had be a great interested turnaround. in that job. I think probably the – San Diego would be fourth. If I had to rank them, San Diego would be fourth because I still think they're a few years away. Well, Tony Gwynn told us they wanted that window of 2020. And yeah. So they might be fourth on my list. Probably the White Sox would be third. And I'd probably I'd probably go Chicago one. Phil. So it would go 
let's go my my number one, my top four. I would go number one, Cubs, two Phillies, three White Sox, four Padres. Me, I The thing that scares me about San Diego is that they've never won. They went to the World Series, what, 98? That was like the long time they went to the World Series? No, they went in also 84. They've gone twice, but they've never won. And they were like, what, nine straight losing seasons? So this is a this is a culture change, okay? Um, White Sox, you're just you're rating them high because you think there's young talent. Phillies, they have talent at the major league level. Cubs, you have won recently. So I got money, I got talent. Uh, I, I think the people who are running the Cubs are smart. They're going to do everything they can. They're trying to win now. So that's why I think if I was a manager, I, I would go to Chicago. The, They're trying to win now. The win now, I, I love the when they brought in Kimbrell, but have you seen the way he's pitched recently? I know it's one of those things where everyone blames Joe Madden, but Joe Madden's not the one who, uh, we don't know, you know publicly, but he was, was he the one in there pounding on the desk saying, Bring in, we need Kimbrell in the bullpen? The Cubs, are, they have 28 blown saves this year. That's second Major League Baseball behind the, the A's and Nats, who are tied for number one. Oh, God. And they've lost five straight one-run games, which, you know, that hasn't pretty much ever happened. So, the, I'm with you. I think Chicago is very lucrative. But I, I think the White Sox one would be the most interesting to me because I think they have, they're going to be the sexy pick next year. That everyone's going to be like, the White Sox are going to be the team that's going to come out of nowhere, kind of like the Twins this year, comes out of nowhere and, and starts winning because they have so much young talent. And you get Kopich back, who's a flame-throwing right-hander, and you're hoping your pitching takes a step forward like Julito did this year. But it's all about finding the right manager. And that's the Cubs did the same thing to Rick Renteria when he was there. He built the team. They got rid of him, brought him mad, and they won the World Series two years later. See, here's the thing, though. Yes, they, they've lost six in a row, and they're out of it. But they're still a winning ball club. They're still over 500. They're still a place people want to go. You can fix that. You know, you're saying you want to go with the White Sox because they got young, ta- they got some young talent. White Sox are still they've they're going to lose ninety plus games. Yeah, that's that's the value. That's the art of tanking. So I, I'm kind of for me, I'm thinking about I want to. I think the White Sox run differential is w- minus one thirty three. They're terrible. The Chicago Cubs are plus 111. I mean, I've got players on the Cubs. I've got Theo Epstein. Theo Epstein is not going to go into tank mode. Theo Epstein is always going to try and win. So that's why I think I've got money. I've got talent. I mean, you still got, I mean, look at the guys they had. Like, you Darvis has pitched very well. The second half of the season. Yeah. So you're hoping he builds into the next year. Kyle Hendricks is, in my opinion, one of the most underrated pitchers in baseball. So we got Lester under contract. And you I got mean, Wilson. I got I got Baez. Is Brian is Brian is Brian is Brian a free agent? I think he's uh I don't he's know if he's a, a free he, agent. I, I think he's, he has a con- they're trying to figure out his contract. I got Rizzo. I mean, I got Castellanos has now come over. He's a free agent though. So you're ho- hoping you can resign him. Yeah. You got the awful contract with Hayward, Ugh. but Schwarber has been he's played well this year. Yeah. Contreras is a building is a piece at catcher. If Theo goes out and makes some good moves, I got a I got a chance. I, I, I'm sold. I'm going to the Cubs. Uh, you know who's last on my who's last on your list? Who'd you say was last? 
the job I'm not touching, and, I'm, and it, it pains me to say I would not touch the Pirates job. No, no, I said I would not touch San Francisco, Kansas City, Pittsburgh. I would not touch the Mets. I would not touch the Tigers. You don't want to. You don't want to manage Pete Alonso. <laughs> He's going to hit 50 home runs every the year. The polar first. bear. Um, the volatility of the New York Mets would scare me. Yeah, you know it's well. I mean, you're being Mickey Callaway guy, so you might get along with him. Or not, um, Brody Van Wagenen. I'm. I'm. That's the will ponds that I scare me. Yeah, they're and what the media. I mean, just the media circus you have to deal with every single day. Yeah, I just the Mets. The Mets are just you know the will ponds are just they're supposedly awful to work for. Yeah, so I'm out on Mets, Tigers, Pirates, Giants, Royals. Now, now for jobs, if you're if you're one of if you think like this, you know, there's some people who think, hey, I you know I take the Royals job. They know they're not going to win. I don't have to win for years, and I can wait for this young talent to come up. Kind of like they did with Ned Yost, where they made, yeah. he just waited 30 I just, years. I just – that's not my, – my mentality is I want to win now. You want winners. I want winners. Rob Nyer is a winner. We'll ask Rob Nyer what he thinks. Longtime baseball columnist. What's the, what's the place, if he could manage anywhere – where would he want to go? We'll talk to him next right here on A's Cast Live. Streaming from the East Bay, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. All righty. The final piece of the puzzle. The first person that gives us all three names at 510-897-1322. That's 510-897-1322. You got to text it in. We'll win our first of many of these playoff party packs that MLB Network has sent to us. It's a hat. See, you're texting in right now. You can't do it. You got to wait till I give the word. The last word. See, we can tell by when you text. I have the time. I haven't given the last word. So whether you're right or you're wrong, I can't give it to you because you have to wait until I give the word. But it's pretty cool. It's the hat, shirt, koozie. The final piece of the puzzle is Olsen. The last word is Olsen. The first person... Who texts it in? 510-897-1322 in baseball, and he joins us here on A's Cast Live. How we doing, Rob? I'm well, thanks. Uh, appreciate being here. Well, I got to tell you, this is the best time of the year. And how about those Oakland A's? They're doing it again, Rob. Uh, as you know, um, I wrote a book. Came out almost exactly a year ago. Uh, wrote about a game between the Astros and the A's in September of 2017. And in the book, uh, I essentially argued, uh, without drawing any great conclusion, that the Astros, analytically speaking, had passed the the A's by. And uh, I think in retrospect... um, I missed something. I'm still not quite sure what I missed, but the A's performance over these last two seasons has been 
phenomenal and uh, certainly not what I expected. The move, I mean, the book is Powerball, Autonomy of a Modern Baseball Game. I can see it right now, Rob. You can get it on Arizona, folks. It is a fabulous read. And, yes, Houston passed, but then the A's realized like they always do, Rob, and they readjusted. Well, I think that's right. And uh, I think what I was not able to see when I was writing after the 2017 season was what that – adjustment was going to look like um and look the the players that they have in place this season are to some significant degree the players they had then their key players today uh in the lineup are matt olson matt chapman and and marcus Simeon, and 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 those were their basically their three best players two years ago when i was writing but it's you know, Simeon has developed certainly to a degree that i wouldn't have expected but what's really been surprising to me is how they have continued to cobble together a pitching staff out of seemingly nothing. Uh, it seemed that, that their, their lack of starting pitching in 2017 was going to continue in 2018 uh, and, and, and then again in 2019, and it just doesn't seem to matter. Somehow they're, they're able to put together a competitive staff despite injuries and suspensions and, and all the rest of it. And I honestly am still, I still don't understand how they do it. Yeah, it is pretty remarkable uh, what Billy Bean and David Force are able to do. And you mentioned Marcus Simeon, and you can make a case that Marcus Simeon, with 32 home runs, 91 RBIs, 120 runs scored, He's going to break Reggie Jackson's all-time mark for runs scored in a season. He's already passed Ricky Henderson for leadoff home runs. This is arguably the greatest year any Oakland A has ever had, and I don't think a lot of people have noticed it, Rob. Well, uh, I would suspect, and I haven't checked it, in context, this wouldn't be as great as Reggie's greatest year or Ricky's greatest year. It's interesting. I never thought of those two guys like that before. Reggie and Ricky is sort of poetic. Um, having said that, I would absolutely agree that his season has largely flown under the radar for most people. Uh, and, of course, his numbers on their face are impressive. There's no question about that. But too many people, and I, I wish we weren't still having this discussion. Larry, I really do. You'd think after all these years we wouldn't still be having this conversation, but we are. People still don't really give enough credit to positional adjustments, to the value that a, a shortstop or a catcher or a great fielding second baseman uh, the value that they bring when they can also hit like Simeon has hit this season. I, I mean, a shortstop, we're, lo we're looking at a Garcia Parra, Alex Rodriguez, Derek Jeter at his peak, that sort of season. Um, and for whatever reason, it's difficult for shortstops, and in particular, I think, quite frankly, a shortstop on the West Coast to get the sort of attention that, that, that those guys used to get. You know, Rob, I was in Minnesota on Saturday, and I went over to Target Field. And, you know, everybody's talking about the Astros. Everybody's talking about the Yankees. But 
They now, the Twins, and that ballpark, Target Field, is just gorgeous. Uh, they've got 297 home runs. They're going to hit over 300. You know, it, it, it really, wouldn't you say it's anybody's game in the American League? It, it's going to be tough. Whoever gets to the World Series went through the gauntlet. No, they're, they're really good. Um, I, I think that the to some degree the Twins benefited from playing in a very weak American League Central with really only two competitive teams. But that shouldn't take anything away from what they have accomplished. Remember where they were just two or three years ago when, with the old front office and the old manager? And I mean, by old, I mean past, but also actually literally old. Uh, they were trying to win the same way they won 10, 15 years ago. And it just wasn't working. They brought in a new front office, and then a year later, a new manager. And they've utterly transformed the franchise from a team that never hit home runs, pitching staff that rarely struck anybody out, to a high home run offense and a high strikeout pitching staff, which, like it or not, that's basically how you win in 2019. And the, the old uh, staff both the field staff and the front office staff basically didn't understand that, wasn't willing to change or wasn't able to change. And the new staff on field and off completely understands the new dynamic in baseball, And uh, which isn't to say what they've done is easy. Uh, and they've benefited from some players that were there before but really didn't, weren't developing. And now all of a sudden they, they had developed. Now whether that's because of the new staff or not, we can argue about that. But the fact of the matter is that that uh, uh, you know, Byron Buxton, for example, of course now he's out for the season, but before he got hurt, he was having a really good season. And they have some other players, Mitch Garver being the, maybe the best example, was not doing anything. And all of a sudden he's one of the top power-hitting catchers in, 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 on the planet. Where did this come from? Well, part of it's got to be the new, the new, the new regime. You know, and I think about, you know, you wrote a book about the Houston Astros. You know, we'll always promote that for you. And I, and I know the Astros have really changed baseball in a lot of ways. You know, we look at it the way the way they draft, the way they use video, the way they, they don't have as many scouts as they used to have. If they win the World Series again, how much more do you think they will change the game of baseball? That's a great question, Larry. I mean, look, everybody knows what they've done. Uh, it's no secret. Um, I wrote about them some in my book. I also wrote about the A's and also a lot of just sort of general baseball. There are lots of other teams and, and players in my book, not just the Astros and the A's. But uh, Ben Ryder, uh, who works for Sports Illustrated, wrote an entire book just about the Astros and how they've done it. Uh, there was a new book out this spring, fantastic book about modern player development and, and called The MVP Machine by, by Ben Lindbergh and Travis Sochik. And there's a fair amount of Astros content in that book. Uh, anybody who cares, anybody who wants to know how the Astros have built this organization, it's all out there. But one of the things that they've done that's very difficult to emulate is change the entire mindset throughout 
the organization. And that's hard to do for a number of reasons, but one of them is that it essentially means that if you have a double-A pitching coach or, or a roving instructor who's been in the organization for 10 years and everybody loves him, but he's just not 100% on board at the program, you know what has to happen? He's got to go. And it it's, it's, sounds cold, and to some degree it is cold, but you really can't do what the Astros have done unless you're willing to essentially completely remake your organization. And that, in the Astros' case anyway, has meant uh, getting rid of uh, a huge percentage of people who were there just five or six years ago. And frankly, most organizations just aren't willing to do that. And that's why that you haven't seen every organization in baseball emulate the Astros. It's just really hard. Before we let you go, in the end, who do you think's in the World Series and who's winning? <laughs> well, look, uh, it's pretty obvious that the Dodgers have the best team in the National League, and it's easy to pick them to finally win the World Series because they've probably been the best team or very close to that in the National League for years. I wouldn't be surprised if this were their year. Uh, in the American League, um, really hard to pick between the Astros and the Yankees, but obviously if you have to pick one, it's almost got to be the Astros because their top three starting pitchers are fantastic. And the Yankees can't even come close to saying that. Um, sentimental pick for me is the Indians or the Rays or even the Twins because, it's been, uh, because they would be the underdogs in those situations. Uh, I don't have a great deal of interest in watching the Yankees and the Astros square off. I feel like uh, I've seen that before. Um, I, I just think it'd be a blast if the Twins were able to finally knock off the, the Yankees, or really if the A's, after all these playoff appearances, could finally get to the World Series and, and, and even win it. But uh, sentimentally, uh, I'd really like to see the Indians or the A's because uh, I feel like just as a, as a baseball fan, uh, that would be the most entertaining, the most rewarding thing to watch. Rob, you're the best. Hopefully we'll talk during the postseason. Looking forward to it, buddy. Take care. Rob Nyer. You can check out all his books, robnyer.com, but his, his last book about the Astros was really, really good. Are you ready for a little buying or selling, Commander? Did you miss me while I was gone? I did, Larry. It was uh... – <laughs> hey, <it's a, laughs> I know Rob knows me – so Larry Kruger and I did so many interviews with, with uh, Rob over the years. But, no, I know Rob. I, Rob. Rob's been coming on my shows. Literally, I've been having him on my shows probably for 15 years. Rob's great, and his book is good. And the, the both books he mentioned about the Astros I read. Well, I'm still reading MVP Machine, but I read Astro Ball. It's very good. Has MVP Machine uh, changed for you since your boy went down to Cincinnati and he's getting lit up like a Christmas tree? Yeah, he's been, uh, he has been good. He, he has not been good. I'm to the part now where they're talking about driveline and how the guy started driveline, which is very fascinating. We'll have to try to get uh, Kyle. His name's Kyle. We'll have to get Kyle, uh, Effort Kyle on the program. But, yes, I'm ready for buying or selling. Do we have a winner, by the way? It's time for. Uh, we do. Gina is her name. Gina. Gina. Friend of the program, Gina. Thank you, Gina. We're going to do this every day, right? Yeah. We're gonna, tomorrow we're going to give away two. So starting tomorrow we're going to give away two. 
of the MLB prize packs, uh, MLB Network prize packs. Am I getting one? I guess we'll find out. Chris in San Jose. Well, yeah, maybe we'll have to change your, we'll have to change the name and the particulars. Around. Okay, I don't want. I just, I, I just, you know what? Will somebody who wins just give me the hat? I just want that. You can have the shirt and have the koozie and all that stuff. I just want the hat. The hat is pretty cool. Like, well, where are you going to get an MLB Network hat? I have one actually. We got them a couple years ago at the old station. Really? Yeah, we give them away at the beginning of the season. Now I have, I have two hats that it, it's, it's about the draft. They're pretty ridiculous. Those those aren't bad. How, but, but how far how far back on what's to say like MLB draft sixteen? Uh, or, or is that too too recent? It just says MLB draft. I can't remember. And they're pretty like like when you they're pretty ridiculous. I want the I want the hat though. All right, let's do this. It's time for buying or selling. Sell, sell. Right now with Chris Townsend on Ace Cast Live. Yeah, so Friday when we did this, we did it with the professor, Matt Pearl. And uh, Pearl got introduced to, well, AceCast Live and also how we do buying or selling and how we intertwine many different things. So I'm going to intertwine football and baseball right here. Now so we Was don't, Pearl any good? Uh, buying or selling or just overall as a guest? Just overall. Yeah, actually, yeah, very solid. Coming from a TV background, good speaker. I mean, is he getting us numbers? That's all I want to know. We'll have to go back. I'll, I'll have to try to get that information. He's the one that has it. He might be able to manipulate that, that oh, information. Oh, that's true. He could, he could put you know, the time spent listening for his interview a lot higher because a lot of the, the Pearl family could have been listening at that time. That is true. So Drew Brees is going to be out for six weeks so starting this past week. But apparently he's reached out to Mike Trout, who had the same injury two years ago and had the same surgery. So Trout told him he came back in five weeks after the surgery and felt completely fine. Buying or selling, Drew Brees will return better than ever after talking to Mike Trout. I'm selling. Because as we all know, as you go older, you don't heal the same way. Mike Trout did this at... 26 years old? Yeah, Brees is a, a, a cool 40. <laughs> Brees is 40 years. Isn't it crazy these quarterbacks are playing into their 40s? Uh, Teddy Bridgewater, might, maybe Teddy Bridgewater might Wally Pip him after that big win yesterday. Teddy B? He looked good. He looked good for the uh, Saints as they took down I, the, so uh, the Seahawks. All I know is this. You're going to have great numbers. You're going to make a ton of money. But your body is you – play, you play in the NFL into your 40s. Your body will fall apart at some. At some, I'm, I'm telling you, I live. I, I live it each road trip when I see my man Jim Plunkett. I say, well, unless you're Tom Brady, who just doesn't break Jim, down at all. Jim Plunkett's 72 years old, man, and he talks about the aches and pains. Oh man, you play this. You play that game a long time. You're gonna be hurting when you get older. So we know that Bruce Bochy is going to. This is the last week for Bo for Bochy. Oh, uh, what? All the game. What? You sure? As the manager of the Giants, oh. it's the last week for Bruce Bochy. Because uh, did we play that earlier today, or we, we did? We haven't played it. No. So maybe we could save that for. Uh, so it was on a, a an interview on Buster Olney's podcast, which I think he's actually releasing tomorrow. That he did with Bochy, and Bochy was non-committal about saying that he'd never manage again. So. Pretty much since you stole the thunder from it. Buying or selling, Bruce Bochy will be the next manager of the San Diego Padres. I would have sold that big time before we talked to Tony Gwynn Jr. And then Tony Gwynn Jr. said he thinks they want a veteran guy. 
They want someone that can walk into that clubhouse and immediately you're getting respect from Machado and Hosmer, Tatis Jr. I'm going to buy. Now, Buster doesn't want him to, but I'm going to buy. Bruce Bochy's not done. How, how great would it be to watch Boch come up and play the Giants nine to ten times a year as manager of the Padres and face them 19 to 20 times a year? It'd be great to see. It'd be great to see. And him go back to where, he's, where it all started for him. He went to the World Series in 98. Obviously, they didn't win. That Yankee team was regarded as one of the greatest teams ever. He was there in 84. Well, he's a player then, right? Yep. So, yeah. So, he's he's a Padre uh, through and through. So, hopefully, you know, I, I want to see him stick around. I like Boach as a manager. Although his tactics are, you know, the way he manages the bullpen is different. But, you know, he's one of the old school guys that they're trying to weed out of the game. And I want to see him stick around. And San Diego's a good landing spot for him. So, speaking of managers... The Cubs are swept away regularly over the weekend by the Cardinals. They've lost they lost five straight one-run games. And so, on Sunday, the Cubs became the second team in 100 years to get swept at home in a four-game series and lose all four by a single run. They also became the first major league team since 2011 to lose five straight one-run games. It's the first time it's happened to the franchise since, well, wait for it, 1915. Craig Kimbrell, that was a good year. Craig Kimbrell has been a disaster of the bullpen for the Cubs, as I brought up earlier. The Cubs are second in baseball with 28 blown saves. They're now four games behind the Brewers for the second wild card. And Mark Loretta is a name that's getting thrown around. He's the bench coach right now for the Cubs to be the next manager. Buying or selling, this is the last week we see Joe Madden as the manager of the Chicago Cubs. Oh, that, that's I think the I, I think the tougher question would be, does he stay? Because I think for sure he's gone. I, yeah, and, and then I don't think you promote. So you need you need a new voice. You need you need someone new to come in. And not saying that. I who's to say Joe Madden can't go and be the Padres manager, right? As as he lives in, I believe he lives either in Long Beach or Seal Beach. He well, built he, a house. Well, so he has a long history with the Angels. So so he yeah, but he's you know. I think he would come back to the West Coast. He's made enough money. Um, and the one place, the jo- you know, Dodgers job's not open. Angels job's not open. So I, I, I wouldn't be shocked if Joe Madden ends up in San Diego. If he doesn't end up as a manager. But he's gone in Chicago. He's going to end up in the booth somewhere. Someone, someone ESPN or Fox or someone's going to pick him up, and he's going to be an analyst, and he'll be great because he's witty and he knows the game very well. So the city of Miami, uh, well, they aren't having a good run with their sports lately. The Dolphins were a 22-point underdog, 22.5-point underdog over the weekend, and, well, they, the Cowboys covered that spread. The U still isn't back, and the Miami Marlins are 54-101, and although I believe when I last looked they were winning tonight, so good for Donnie Baseball. And Donnie Baseball got a two-year contract extension. He will be the first Marlins manager to manage a team for more than four years. No, really? He is he has wow. a career 273 wins and 366 losses with the team. And the Padres or the, the Padres. The Marlins have made the postseason since 2003. And Ken Rosenthal reported earlier that Mattingly took a pay cut to stay the man uh, stay as the manager of the Marlins. Buying or selling the Miami Marlins should move on from Donnie Baseball. Nah. Love me some Donnie Baseball. I'm selling. Plus, he's an icon kind of guy, so you got a lot of young players. I'm I'm staying with Donnie Baseball. What is, does it matter? No, I mean you could be managing. The they team. have a really good farm system. Finally, though, they're hopefully going to build. They signed Miguel Rojas to a nice extension. 
uh, which is something they never do to flip players. It's a really team-friendly extension, but they're after trading Yelich and Stanton and uh, Ozuna and Chris Paddock. Sure seems like a, a lot of a lot of teams claiming they've got good minor league systems. And all of them, uh, what do they all have in common? They're all going to lose at least 90 games. So what do they all have in common? They stink. So Nelson Cruz joined the 400 club yesterday as a 57th member with his 40th home run. As we know, you know, the Twins have 297 home runs on the season. Jeez. Cruz will end a decade as Major League Baseball's home run leader for the 2010s. He has 345 and counting. This was his fourth 40 home run season. He's 39 years old. He's done it with the Twins, the Orioles, and the Mariners. I think he's done with the, the I think he did it with the Mariners twice. He was also a huge member of the Rangers when they went to back-to-back World Series in the early 2010s. Buying or selling Nelson Cruz will be one of the most underrated players of his generation. I'm buying. You know how many home runs he's hit against the A's? Uh, a lot. He's hit a t- He probably – he may have more home runs against the A's than he has any other team. And remember, yeah. I would even, say he wasn't even, even the best player on his own even team. Even though he got popped for PEDs, he's a terrific player. Yeah, and he wasn't even the best player on those, those Ranger teams. They had Hamilton. They had Adrian Beltre. Guerrero. Guerrero, like the head guys that he was always regarded as like the fourth or be- fourth or fifth best guy. Well, Michael Young. The Dodgers have now won 100 games on the season. They have 100 wins in two of their last three years with Dave Roberts. They had two 100 win seasons from 1954 to 2016. That tells me that Tommy Lasorda didn't always win 100 games. They had they lost back to back World Series, and everyone talks about them being the next Buffalo Bills. The Bills won the four straight Super Bowls, and Marv Levy was their head coach. In the four years, in that four-year span, Marv Levy took the Bills to 39 and 15, and Marv has eventually went into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Buying or selling Dave Roberts is the next Marv Levy. I'm selling. <laughs> yeah, you can you can lose Super Bowls and get into the Hall of Fame. If you're not winning World Series, you're not going to be. Yeah, they got to you know at some point. You know, it's nice that they've kept all their prospects. It's nice that they've done that, but you know, at some point you got to bring it home. Like, I mean, and and, and how about this? And I can't believe it. It's just a lot easier to win 100 games now. There's so many teams that are bad that you feast on those teams. I mean, you, the Astros, the Yankees, and the Dodgers have made winning 100 games look easy. Uh, very easy, especially the. Well, look at the A's. The A's won 97 games last year. What? what you got six games left. You're at what? 93 wins? 94. They need to win 94? all six to 100. I mean, back-to-back years, the A's are going to be over 95 wins. Yeah. Well, that's actually the last buying and selling question. Baseball's never had four teams with 100 wins. The Twins have 96. The Braves have 96. And the A's have 94 and need to go 6-0 and to get the 100-win mark. Buying or selling, we will see at least five teams finish with 100 wins. We've never seen what? More than three. They just, their tie is three. Three teams have won. Oh, we're going to have four. The, the Twins will get it. So do you think we'll have five? And, and the Braves are at what? Braves are at 96. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. The A's are winning all six. Book it. Wow, that's that's bold. Book that's, it. That's six, six 100-win teams. Book it. And four 100-loss teams. A's aren't losing again. I, I mean, the Angel, what, I mean, what do the Angels and Mariners have left to play for? Besides maybe draft position. So I, I'm, I'm, A's are going six and zero, baby, winning a hundred games and hosting the wild card game. Let's get it on. What time are we going till? Well, well, we're supposed to go to seven, but we can 
we have a couple minutes of commercials we can play and end now because that's all the buying or selling I had for today. I didn't even think we were going to get through all that, but we did. Congratulations to Gina. Gina is the winner of the prize pack, the MLB Network postseason prize pack. We're going to be giving away. We're giving two away tomorrow? Well, we're going to have to start getting really creative here. Also tomorrow, Barry Zito. We're ah. back on the program. 530 for Barry Zito. Barry Zito and I have something in common. Oh, I, I know this story. We both rooted against the 2010 Giants. I don't think I'm going to say that to him. You should ask him. He's very open. Well, he put it in the book, right? Yeah, it's in the book. It's in the book. Who else we got tomorrow? Well, we're going to have the, the Bob Melvin show. That's right. I got to gotta figure that out. I got to text Bob. What time does he want to do this? And then uh, we'll have uh, Rhett Bollinger from the, who covers the Angels. So he can give us an update on Mark Langston. Yeah, Mike my Trout. guy Langston. Be well. Yeah, Mark Langston had a heart attack. And I'm efforting to try to get Eric Chavez sometime this week because he's a special assistant with the Angels. So the next manager of the Padres? Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. That's why we want to get him. We only ask hard-hitting questions. I want to know, do you want to manage? Is that something he wants to do? I know he did it in AAA for a little bit. I always, you know, that's the thing. It's like if you've made a lot of money in your career, like – do you really want to get back on the planes and the buses? And that's something I always wonder when you've made a ton of money. All right, that's going to do it for A's Cast Live. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you tomorrow here on A's Cast. But don't go anywhere because we got a lot of good stuff for you on A's Cast powered by TuneIn. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.